Uh, look, hello. I recorded this podcast on Saturday night, uh, and it goes for four hours, so, you know, good luck with that. If you don't make it all the way through, just remember that half of all your tips uh, from now on uh, until when Anthony Green calls the election, half of those tips go to the Black Dog Institute uh, for their excellent work in mental health research uh, and clinical work. Uh, so I've already deducted a bit off the top, uh, but but that's done. So from now on, half of your tips go to Black Dog. Uh, so please go to stillgerian.com slash tip. Do that now before you get into uh, the podcast, because just in case you're over it. Anyway, here you go. Have fun. The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, poor production values, disturbing political ideas, and probably some even more disturbing sexual references. Warning, may contain traces of nuts. Saturday, the 4th of May, 2019. Hello, Australia. Remember where we are right now. Earlier this morning... I visited the Governor-General here in Canberra and he accepted my advice for an election to be held on the 18th of May. Yes, it's day 24 of the federal election campaign, or E-14. There's still two weeks to go in this tedious and increasingly stupid campaign period. And from now on, for 14 more days, it will definitely be completely normal. Mr Morrison is keeping many of his ministers in witness protection because he's too embarrassed by them or too afraid of what they might say. But let's ignore what Bill Shorten and Scott Morrison and the major parties have to say. This is the 9pm minor party policy filibuster live. Uh, well, hello. Hello tonight. Uh, and for the next four hours, I'm going to read to you from the policy platforms of some of the minor parties contesting the federal election here in Australia. So not Liberal, not National, not Labor, not the Greens, but a selection of all the rest. There's about 54 minor parties in all, plus independents. Uh, obviously, I won't be able to get through all of them. Now, last election, uh, 2016, you remember back then? I read the entire policy platform of Pauline Hanson's One Nation while drinking a bottle of Bundaberg rum. Well, of course, that's the choice for One Nation, either that or brake fluid. And it took two hours and 45 minutes. Uh, and we also, at that time, heard some of uh, Ms Hansen's personal, personal wisdom. 9.5 Sura, fight and slay the pagans. 4.34, control the wives, beat them. 4.89, kill them. 4.84 Sura, fight. Mm. This is all about to, yeah, to cause harm, to destroy those who do not believe in you. Go to the source of it. We need a debate in this country. As Julie Bishop said yesterday, it was a politically motivated murder. 
This is not just all about um, it's po it's politics. We have to understand what Islam stands for. It is not compatible with our with our country. We have to stop my immigrating more people into Australia who have Islam background. Yeah. We need to know what's been taught in the Islamic schools and the mosques. And we still have more mosques going up in this country. I'm telling you now, and the people know it. Get out of your out of your glass houses. Go and see what's happening. I. I Love the mangled glass houses metaphor there. I could listen to that clip all day. Well, actually, I couldn't because I'd go slightly mad. But there it is anyway. Uh, now, this time, I mean, we've all heard Pauline before, right? So this time we're spreading the net to catch a wider range of uh, excellent ideas. Uh, there is, of course, Clive Palmer's United Australia Party. Uh, if you're not sick of all the ads... Uh, I have some of them. Uh, Catter's Australian Party, of course, and who doesn't love a bit of Bob Catter? We have Fraser Anning's Conservative National Party, which I've said like that because it's actually registered in all capital letters. Uh, there's the Rise Up Australia Party. Mm -hmm. And then some fun ones. The Involuntary Medical Objectors Brackets Vaccination Slash Fluoride in Brackets Party. So, uh, yes, one for the scientists. And uh, the Non-Custodial Parents Party Brackets Equal Parenting, which I assume um, is for people who are totally mentally balanced in every way, shape, or form, and the Love Australia or Leave It Party, which I assume is is about tourism. Now, before we get underway, before we get underway, I would like to remind you that all of the tips we receive during the course of this program and up until uh, midnight tonight, actually, some of you may be list people listening on the the playback, uh, the non live version. All right, let's extend this. All of the tips I receive up until election night, up until Anthony Green says he's calling it, half of all your tips from now on will go to the Black Dog Institute, the uh, wonderful Sydney-based research institute into mood disorders. Uh, I mean, they can help you. Uh, with your depression that you're bound to have at the end of this. Now, at the time of uh, me talking right now, uh, we have a total in the tip jar of $1,381.93 because people are being very silly with the amounts. Now, I did say that I would deduct 400 bucks off the top, so half of the rest is $490.97 going to Black Dog right now. You can do better than that. Just go to stillgarian.com slash tip. That's stillgarian.com slash tip and uh, empty your wallet into that. Uh, now, the other thing you need to know about tonight, uh, because uh, due to reasons, uh, I will be going for four hours because that was the deal that I made with people on Twitter. I don't know why I did that. I just did. And that was uh, something that just happened. But here we are. Uh, and as I said last time with Pauline Hansen, um, I, I drank Bundy rum because... That's right, isn't it? Uh, well, due to other reasons, I, I have been uh, given, uh, thanks to Josh Michael, a uh, bottle of Bundy OP uh, for Ron. 
uh, later on for those of you not familiar with the slang. Uh, and that's a mere 57.7% alcohol. So that that's to come. Uh, I also have a bottle of uh, Roku Gin, the Japanese gin here. Not quite sure what I'm going to do with that. Uh, but uh, to begin with, the Passion Pop Fairy uh, has sent in a bottle of that most wonderful sparkling wine, the original Passion Pop, which has a warning on it that it's stored under pressure uh, and it contains 9.0% alcohol. Uh, and uh, those of you old enough to remember may realise it's it's kind of like a teen leg opener. Uh, so, thanks to... Obviously, this is, is quality stuff to start the evening. Um, I'm having trouble working out how to open this. By the way, I probably won't keep up this dynamic and coherent pace through the course of the next four hours. Um, because... Oh, fuck. Um, hold on while I grab something to stab this with. I mean, you just amuse yourselves at home, okay? Right. <sighs> Saturday night, you should all be out getting drunk anyway. Or if you've got kids inside getting drunk, just send them to bed. Uh, this is <laughs> this is not parenting advice. Send them to bed and, and just get into the heavy spirits. Why do they... You need to be a fucking child to work out how to open this. I guess that's one of the tricks. It's designed for children. That's defo, probably. Right. Oh, for fuck's sake. What? It's... Oh, why haven't they got a proper... This is not how you package sparkling wine. Oh, dear. Okay, I'm undoing the metal wire thing. Plastic cork. Jesus. Right. Uh, I haven't tried this for a very long time. Uh, so those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast will know uh, that I, I look, I quite like um, good wine and I actually do know uh, a bit about wine. So, uh, yes, pouring now. Oh, fuck, it's fizzy. There we go. So to begin with, Passion Pop. Oh, it smells like... We've got to check the aroma in it. Oh. It's it's sweet. Like, it smells like sugar. It's... I'll, I'll work out later what sort of confectionery it actually smells like. But it's pretty awful. Um, taste... Uh, again, it's sweet. That is um, one of the most disgusting things I've I've ever put in my mouth. And let me just tell you, uh, that's saying something. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Welcome to the Edict. Time for freedom, time for moving, it's time. 
And as I played that, I imagined all of the Labour supporters amongst you sitting at home, pants off, got it in your hand because, oh dear, that is one of the most pleasurable things about being a member of the Labour Party, isn't it? Listening to that wonderful anthem. Uh, If memory serves me, uh, John Singleton, the great the great but kind of old and cranky and a bit racist advertising man was behind Labor's campaign to elect Gough Whitlam in 1972, for memory. I just saw a long time ago, and I'll tell you later about the time I met Gough Whitlam. Actually, I won't. But uh, let's move on uh, to the first political party. As I said, I'm not going to get through 54 political parties. And I'm, I'm going to try and strike a balance between, like I did last time, spend two and three quarter hours just reading every single word of one party's policy platform and giving you a flavour of a number of uh, parties. So a little bit from each, some very brief because... Uh, they don't have much of a policy, some of these minor parties, uh, but there, there, there is a very special and long-standing minor party uh, coming up uh, later. Uh, I want to, uh, I want to read so many words about their plans uh, for Australia's future. But to kick off, I mean, we, we, this whole thing is going to be full of Nazis. So here, here is one of the key Nazis to begin with, Fraser Anning's Conservative National Party. Shout it. You've got to shout it uh, because, as I say, uh, he shouts it in all capitals. I don't know why. He just does. Uh, now, Fraser Anning, uh, of course... Uh, spun off from the party he was in, uh, spent a whole bunch of taxpayers' money travelling around to, uh, shall we say, far-right nationalist rallies around Australia. Uh, And it was during 
Uh, one such <laughs> one such rally. Uh, where was it? It was on his way back from Melbourne. The reason the reason I'm pausing is that there's meant to be a button on my screen for this for this clip. <laughs> there it is. What's it doing up there? Uh, it's in the wrong order, but I'm sure you remember uh, this little episode, one of the best episodes uh, of the last few months in Australian politics. Secured in a chokehold after leaving egg on a Conservative senator's face. Don't egg politicians, you get tackled by 30 bogans at the same time. I learnt the hard way. Will Connolly was attacked after interrupting Fraser Anning's taxpayer-funded event hours after the Independent declared New Zealand's Muslim immigration contributed to the Christchurch massacre. He really uh, should have a good look in the mirror because those comments have no place in modern Australia. Or Federal Parliament, Senators Matthias Cormann and Penny Wong confirming they will move a bipartisan motion in April that censures Senator Anning for his inflammatory and divisive comments seeking to attribute blame to victims of a horrific crime and to vilify people on the basis of religion. After a vocal send-off at Melbourne Airport last night, they have the Senator seemed unperturbed as he was guarded by Australian Federal Police at a Brisbane gun show, ignoring media requests as his colleagues blasted his actions and words. I think the full force of the law should be applied to Senator Anning. If there is evil in the world, Fraser Anning is it. Connolly was interviewed by police and released without charge, but the forces confirmed it's still actively investigating the incident in its entirety, including the actions of Anning and his supporters. Meanwhile, the teenager went to ground today after becoming an online sensation, accruing more than 200,000 Instagram followers and starring in memes as a leader and superhero. Supporters raising more than $25,000 for the high school student to cover any future legal fees. Lana Murphy, Nine News. Ah, what I love about that clip, that's from Channel 9, obviously, um, is that Eggboy, Will Connolly, uh, did his deed. And unlike uh, the, the, the uses of the F word later, which were bleeped out, you can actually hear um, Fraser Anning call Will Connolly a fucking mongrel, if you listen closely in the background. Uh, shall I play it for you again? Yeah, look, just that bit. Um, Excuse me, just listen to this bit. Um, just listen to this bit. Secured in a chokehold after leaving egg on a Conservative senator's face. Oh, okay, they did bleep it out. My fucking mongrel. <laughs> Welcome to Australia. The objects of Fraser Anning's Conservative National Party are as follows. One. The vision of Sir Henry Parks of Australia, oh, sorry, the vision of Sir Henry Parks of Australia as an English-speaking, predominantly European Christian Commonwealth, as originally described in 1901 when Australia uh, as a nation was founded. Number two, social cohesion by an immigration program that gives preference to those best able to integrate and assimilate. Wow, there's some coded messages in there. Three, traditional family values, including recognising marriage as only the union of a man and a woman and the sanctity of human life. 
Wait, uh, grammar's a bit shit. Marriage uh, is the union of a man and a woman. There should be a comma there. And the sanctity of human life at all ages, comma, including both the unborn and elderly. So no abortions and presumably uh, no voluntary euthanasia. Four, government through the democratic consent of the governed. <laughs> is he talking about a republic or is he going all Soviet citizen on us? Who can say? Number five, individual freedom, including unrestricted freedom of speech, association and belief. So you can believe what you like as long as you assimilate. Uh, you can say whatever you want. So, so you can call someone a fucking mongrel if you like. You can call them other things, obviously. They, they, they want freedom to, to do that. Uh, six, private enterprise. Like, that's it. That's the policy. Private enterprise. I, I, well, we already have that everywhere. But yes. Yes. You can. You as a person can do things, which is. Look, I support that. Seven. Private property as an inviolable natural right. Yeah, we're getting a bit sob-sit here, aren't we? Number eight, universal home ownership as a national objective. <sighs> All right. Nine, Australian ownership of our infrastructure, manufacturing and agriculture. Yeah, none of this naughty foreign investment. Ten, Widely distributed ownership of the means of production, distribution, and exchange through owner-operated farms, small business, and cooperative. This is a cooperatives. So, I don't know whether these people have actually looked at the economics and the organisation that enables uh, us to feed 25 million people in this country and 8 billion or whatever, 8 billion or whatever it is on the planet. But it ain't going to happen through owner-operated farms. Uh, 11, collective bargaining in agriculture and industry. Hmm. I like some of the uses of collective here. 12, orderly marketing of agricultural products. <laughs> you just know that there, there's a gripe in there, but they, they just haven't quite worked out how to, uh, how to do it. There's 21 of these, so don't. Don't panic. Uh, number 13, the development of rural and regional infrastructure and the reindustrialization of Australia. We'll hear that theme a bit more later up. Uh, 15, it's tricky because they've got it in lowercase Roman numerals. I guess that's another Australian tradition. An end to usury through the establishment of a not-for-profit government bank. Right. Uh, 15, here we go. The right to own firearms and use them in self-defence. <laughs> Poor Will Connolly would have been shot, you know. Hit you, on a head with a, hit you on the head with an egg, boom, down, kill a little fucking mongrel. Um, this uh, passion pop really is quite dreadful. I've worked out what it takes. It's kind of like... Tastes like sour squirms, but slightly sweeter and less sour. And I don't know what the hell it's meant to look like. Um, 
just tell you what, if my piss was that colour, it means I'm severely dehydrated. Ah, <laughs> here's another one. Number 17, citizens initiated referenda and voluntary voting. Uh-huh. Number 18, decentralisation of power and competitive federalism. Uh, if you know what the hell that means, tweet at me and uh, I'll figure it out. Um, 19, a fair taxation system that encourages productivity and savings and rewards hard work. Which means you don't like being taxed because apparently you won't work hard otherwise. Uh, 20, the restoration of Australia's national... Ah, oh, this is good. This is good. The restoration of Australia's national sovereignty through repudiation of coercive international treaties and a foreign policy that puts Australia first. Yes, those treaties. Those treaties. Treaties. I haven't actually... Like, I've only had a little bit of this passion pop. Like, you heard me open it. That wasn't pre-recorded. I think I'm just getting old... Um, and 21, a capable and well-resourced military and strong support for our veterans. Now, that that actually is the entire policy platform of Fraser Anning's Conservative National Party. Uh it's just it's just bullet points. That's that that's the only thing that they have. Oh well. Uh, let's move on to another party. Rise Up Australia. Ah, now, these guys have the number one spot on the New South Wales uh, Senate paper. Here's how they're marketing themselves. Our policies are based on national issues, freedom of speech, freedom of faith, freedom for all. Do you want to protect and invest for our children's future? Let's keep Australia Australian. Authorised by Yvonne Gentle, Rise Up Australia Party, Melbourne. Do you love this country the way it is? Apparently, that's that's the first kind of line on the Rise Up Australia Party's website. Now, while you're listening to this, Google the name Danny Nalia, because he founded this, see what it means. So the, the other big thing uh, on the front of this website is a big section saying, what would it mean to have Sharia law practised in this country? Sharia law belongs in the Islamic culture, which is all culture, religion and law. They do not separate one from the other. No wearing of Western clothing. Women must wear their hijab. No drinking of alcohol. No socialising between single-slash-unmarried men and women in public. A woman's testimony will be deemed only half the worth of a man at the most. Uh, female genital mutilation is practised. The death penalty will be introduced. Public stoning to death is a punishment for breaking of laws such as unfaithfulness in marriage. I, I don't see federal parliament voting this in. I mean, Barnaby would be for it, obviously, but no one else. Public lashings for menial offences and so much more. It sounds like they're selling cutlery with it. You get Sharia law and steak knives. In short, no equal rights, no freedom of thought or religion, Western culture forbidden, whatever that is. So, you know, we'll be burning Shakespeare and, and uh, Charles Dickens. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson, 
Footballs. Footballs would have to be burned. Socks. Socks are a Western thing. They wear sandals more in you know the Middle East, don't they? So socks would have to go. Steak. Steak would be gone. And United Nations human rights laws will not be observed. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is Rise Up Australia. I don't think I want to uh, read any uh, more of that. Uh, so uh, I think it's um, I think it's time for a song. Exceedingly well known for his time, Peter Dawson, uh, singing the Song of Australia, which was possibly going to be Australia's national anthem, but ended up not being. Uh, there was a competition held in oh, 1859, uh, where a prize of 10 guineas was offered uh, for the words of a patriotic song, uh, and... Uh, uh, that that was actually from the Gawler Institute at Gawler in South Australia. 
And uh, the winner was uh, Those Words uh, by English-born poet Carolyn Carlton. Uh, and the music uh, was composed a little later by uh, Karl Linger, who was one of the German-born uh, folks that ended up settling in South Australia, uh, escaping some of the weird uh, religious shenanigans that was happening in Central Europe at the, the time. Uh, look up the Australian 48ers if you want to know uh, more about that. Uh, but that that is the song of Australia, which uh, is is either much better than the national anthem we have in some people's opinion, or a terrible piece of shit in others. Let us now turn our attention. He says, scrolling down uh, to one of those that I don't have a clip for, which is oh, I see what I've done. Yeah. The Australian Better Families Party. And their website is headed Better Families, Better Policy, Better Candidates, Better Communities. And uh, if you check out Better Policy, they have they have some wonderful stuff. Uh, I think uh, what we need to read, for example, I'm going to read a few of their policies. Why, why isn't that clicking through? Look, I, we did warn you at the front that some of the production values uh, in this are going to be uh, a little bit bullshit. How about I just read out the uh, the heads of their policy because they've completely failed to provide anything more, as usual for these small parties, uh, just for some random bits and pieces. And I notice, again, so many of these small Parties are registered in Queensland. This one has a post box in Rabina Town Centre. Who would have known? All the bubbles in that fucking thing are making me belch. Uh, so let's just go through this. I mean, this is what you've tuned in for, right? It's to uh, it's to listen to me read policy platforms. So let me <clears throat> let me do this um, properly. These are the policies of Australian better families. Better family law, illustrated with the photograph of a white couple uh, with two female children smiling as they slice up uh, fruit and vegetables for dinner. Uh, the two daughters are dressed identically, even though they are aged a little bit apart. Uh, and, of course, they've all got mostly blonde hair, uh, although I'm looking at the mother and I think her blonde hair is not actually genuine because there, there are dark roots there. Uh, and the, uh, the husband... I mean, obviously, they are married, being families. Uh, the husband is, is boarding a little bit, but he's still smiling. Better family law. Our policy will ensure families dealing with child access disputes will be supported through long-term mediation and counselling programs to maintain healthy relationships and happy families post-separation. Homelessness. With a picture of a... Uh, an older bloke looking a bit uh, unkempt with his, his head hung uh, in misery and shame. Homelessness. We will end homelessness by ensuring every Australian has access to short-term crisis accommodation with pathways to affordable community housing. Could just give them a fucking home. You could invite them around to your place. I noticed that uh, the family in the first uh, photograph seemed to have a shitload of food spare. 
Uh, child support reform. Oh, this is this is interesting. This is actually an Asian-ish, Asian-ish family. Uh, although I'm a bit confused by some of the imagery there. Uh, child support reform. Our reforms to the child support system will overhaul how child support is calculated and paid. We will remove the financial incentives that are paid to parents to withhold access to children while ensuring on-time payments for parents who have private agreements. There's a party coming up later that has a, a very different view uh, on that subject. Um, mm, family violence reform uh, with a picture of the uh, uh, the kangaroo and emu outside the Family Court of Australia in Sydney. Our policy will enforce a zero tolerance approach to all family and domestic violence. Domestic violence legislation will be amended to ensure services and support will be provided to provided to all victims, regardless, regardless, regardless of their age, gender or sexuality. National Youth Service. Volunteer National Youth Service is a paid program for young people from the age of 16. The initiative provides life skills, social responsibility and community training to prepare Australian kids for adult life because apparently the parents themselves have failed to do so until now because they have better families. (laughs) Minister for Men. To complement the existing Minister for Women portfolio, we will ensure Australian boys, men and fathers have a dedicated ministerial portfolio for men. A Minister for Men will ensure national male health and education programs are in place and appropriately funded. Because let's face it, men have such a hard time in our current political and policy system. (laughs) Oh dear. Mental health reform. Our policy, remember this is policies of uh, Australian better families, our policy is about protecting vulnerable Australians, although I notice both people in the photograph are young white males who are laughing. They don't have salad, but they do have coffee. Vulnerable Australians who require emotional and clinical mental he- oh, yeah, they, yeah, all right. clinical mental health support. These programs will be delivered through health wellness hubs, health and wellness hubs. They are both health and wellness, these hubs, that are managed within the community as opposed to where. Zero plastic waste. Uh, okay. Our zero plastic waste policy will see government work with companies to remove uh, single-use plastic packaging from the market while supporting Australian consumers through recycling incentives as we work towards better management of plastic waste. This is, of course, uh, illustrated with a lovely photograph of a turtle. It's not, not a bad turtle. I'd do it. Cheap, clean energy. Cheap, clean, renewable energy is the right of every Australian. Our policy <laughs> all right. Our policy will see government move quickly towards investing in reliable, low-cost, environmentally friendly energy production, transmission and storage to improve how we use energy in our homes and for transport. I've also just noticed I'm shouting. Why am I shouting? This really isn't worth shouting. I'm not going to be able to shout for four hours. Food security, 
Our food and water security policy is about ensuring Australian families have an uninterrupted supply and access to, that should be an uninterrupted supply of, and access to, local, healthy, natural food and clean drinking water in, t- in times of national crisis. If there isn't a national crisis, fuck you, dirty water and Christ knows what food. Community childcare. Childcare has become a financial burden that many working Australian families can no longer afford. Well, you chose to have fucking kids. Take care of them, you cunts. Our community childcare program connects families to low-cost childcare services in their neighbourhood. So it's like a website or something. Community employment. Where is not the community? Our community employment policy will ensure Australians on welfare are provided with training opportunities and paid work in roles that support working families in their communities. So, what, nannies, cleaners? Paid work in roles that support working families in their community. What if the unemployed person is like an engineer? <laughs> no, 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 no engineering job for you, mate. You're taking the bins out. Domestic aid. Our policy will prioritise funding for domestic aid in the event of national emergencies to benefit at-risk Australian families. Uh, yeah, the, the, the way they're framing it, every family's at risk because their fucking kids cost too much. We will action strategies uh, to support primary producers to reduce their exposure to weather events and climate change. By primary producers, they mean farmers. Their exposure to climate change is because of climate... Uh, That's another whole thing, isn't it? Age care reform. How many more? Oh, okay. This is one of... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven more counting this one. Aged care reform. And this actually looks like a South Asian bloke sort of hugging his grandfather or father and smiling at the camera. Very glossy, though. Our policy will improve how older Australians are cared for when they move into assisted living communities and retirement homes. (laughs) No, they're not living with us. They're off to the home. We will ensure every Australian has access to low-cost community-connected facilities. So they have a driveway that maintain dignity and quality of life. Wow. But they're going to the fucking home. Foreign own, uh, foreign ownership. Australian, you don't have to dig very far into these policies to find a nice little bit of, of xenophobia and racism, do you? Foreign ownership. Australian infrastructure, uh, assets, critical businesses, farmland and residential housing needs to remain Australian owned. Oh, yeah. Our policy will see foreign ownership restricted to ensure our national security and sovereignty is protected for future generations. Because, yes, our national security is is jeopardised by someone owning a couple of flats in Hurstville. Better drug reform. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, you've got to go to betterfamilies.org.au, click through to the policy pages and look at the photograph that goes with better drug reform because this little set of young people, particularly the bloke on the lower left, look, looks like uh, he's well uh, into uh, a spot where he needs a bit of this reform. Let me, let me just uh, do this photo. The photo, I'm just tweeting this to you. The photo I'm talking about, hashtag, this is good, this is good, isn't it? 9pm live, and there's the photograph. While I'm looking at the Twitters, I just noticed someone's asked me, have I never had Passiona? That's that's it, yes. The the passion pop does taste like passiona, and it's that artificial passion fruit flavor. Oh, that's oh, that's why it's called passion pop. Fuck me, dead. That's exactly what it is. It's alcoholic passion pop. Uh, passiona, alcoholic passiona. Um. <sighs> Aren't I the goose? Anyway, where's this? Um, let me go back to the uh, policies. Better drug reform. Our drug reform policy will work to treat drug use as a health issue while doubling efforts to reduce trafficking and illegal production. We support providing access to testing facilities for recreational users while encouraging safe choices combined with support and education. So a little bit of little bit of column A, a little bit of column B there. Let's not commit. Adoption reform policy. Uh, yeah, I can see where this is going. Our adoption policy uh, will ensure that every child that needs access to a safe, nurturing, permanent family home will have every opportunity to get one. Every ch- oh, this is a whole stolen generations thing wrapped up in a policy, isn't it? We will work to ensure families seeking to adopt are afforded the support they need as they move through a family and child-focused process. Oh, I've got to love moving through a process, don't you? Better veteran services. Australian returned servicemen and women deserve better care. I'm with this. Better care and support on completion of their military careers. Oh, yeah. Our policy will see veterans who complete a minimum employment contract or personnel who have been injured during their military service provided with housing and guaranteed employment opportunities that support their return to civilian life. Mm-hmm. Juvenile justice reform and another photograph of a variety of races of young people grinning inanely at the camera while fondling each other's shoulders. Juvenile justice reform. Our approach to reducing juvenile crime will see offenders enter the National Youth Service Program prior to re-offending. Ah, it joins up. Our policy includes a nation... Oh, oh, oh what? here we go. Our policy... In- includes a national juvenile curfew combined with redirection programs that focus on training, education, and community engagement to reduce recidivism rates. A youth, a national juvenile curfew. 
Wow. Fair milk prices. (laughs) Just milk. Milk. Fair milk pricing. As part of our food security policy, uh, the the ABF party, I thought they meant Australian Border Force. No, the Australian Better Families Party supports the introduction of a minimum gate price of 70% uh, 70 cents per litre for Aussie milk. That's capitalised. Aussie milk. We need to ensure Australian dairy farmers achieve a fair price for their product to protect the viability of their businesses and to guarantee supply to Australian families. What's the odds that one of the founders of this party is a dairy farmer? And the final policy, supporting live music. The ABF party supports the establishment of an industry regulator to work with event organisers to aid in the delivery uh, in the delivery of safer live music events, we see the Australian live music industry as an important partner in our better drug reform policy. That, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is the entire policy platform of Australian Better Families. It's time to fix democracy. A vote to flux the system. No, not not a vote, just vote to flux the system. I'll start again. Actually, I'll, I'll go from the top. It's time to fix democracy. Vote to flux the system. Flux is Australia's most transparent political party, apparently. When did our policies become so broken? Things must change. Flux is your way to participate directly in Parliament, empowering people in government decisions directly through technology. Let's break up the party politics, end the gridlock, and return the power to where it belongs... You. Politics sucks. We're all fed up. And it's clear that in the 21st century, the system of democracy that once served us has lost its way. What we need isn't a new government. We need a new system. One which will deliver Australians the democracy we deserve. Say hello to Flux, a revolutionary new democratic movement to give you direct access to the decision-making process. Through an app on your phone, you can vote directly on legislation before Parliament. It's as simple as yes or no, or choose a representative who votes on your behalf and can be changed at any time. Flux keeps decision makers accountable. But that's not what makes Flux truly remarkable. You might have heard about issue-based politics, where the decision makers change with each issue. Specialists decide policy, not career politicians. Flux lets voters trade their votes on different issues, encouraging Aussies to have their say where it's most valuable. By letting our communities self-organise, we'll naturally end up with specialists making decisions, and you'll get to have more of a say in the issues that matter to you. The Flux system is innovative, powerful, simple, and totally unique. This election, we're introducing Flux to the Senate. An elected Flux senator is a gateway for the system and votes in Parliament what Australia decides. 
To help make this a reality, we need every Aussie to hear about Flux. Please like and share this video. We can't do it without you. Australia. We have a chance to start building a democracy to be proud of. On polling day, don't vote for business as usual. Vote to upgrade democracy. Vote Flux. I am so surprised that they didn't say blockchain at that point, aren't you? The music's pretty uh, startup-y, isn't it? So let me read uh, from the voteflux.org website because you know, you know you want me to, don't you? This is about the future. Q&A, how is legislation submitted in flux slash IBDD, which is Issue-Based Direct Democracy. This sounds an awful lot like citizen-initiated uh, referenda. And it says, as you might know, Flux uses a new system of democracy. <laughs> as we know now, it's a new system. That's what it says in the previous sentence too, a new system that combines economics and politics to make an interesting new method of collective decision-making. It's not just a voting system, since it needs many different people and issues to work effectively. It's also not super simple to understand fully, but this post should give you a bit of an idea, and you'll have a good overview by the end. Because what we definitely need in Australia is a system of democracy that's difficult to understand. <clears throat> Ah, oh, I've got to clear my throat for this. I need a bit more passion pop because the passion behind this idea is uh, passionate. Legislation through flux slash IBDD is, is submitted by users directly. We see, quote, legislation, unquote, as any proposal to change the full body of legislation. So an edit, a repeal, and a new bit of legislation are treated identically at this stage. Within the IBDD system, there are a number of slots for legislative proposals each week. We'll start low, maybe 10, and then fiddle with that number as we come to understand it better. Uh, note, uh, this might introduce a point of authority, uh, but it's very minimal and can be done transparently or handled within IBDD itself. Uh, those slots are auctioned. IBDD uses a closed-off economy, so no cash interactions, to help manage these sorts of systems and incentives without authority. <laughs> I can hear you listening now and saying, I know where we're going. Basically, we can't have someone saying you should specialise in this or this is okay to be proposed, but this is not. So we're going to use this private sort of economy. The IRL economy has shares, stocks, etc., and money. And you can use money to move value between different stocks slash bonds slash shares slash etc. IBDD is sort of similar. We will have voting tokens and liquidity tokens. I'm loving this. These are two different kinds of tokens. Their properties are different. Yeah, that's what different means, yeah tool. Comparing it to the, quote, real-world economy example, uh, voting tokens are like shares and liquidity tokens are like money. 
A unique type of voting token is created for each issue slash vote, and everyone gets exactly one of these, and no more are created. Uh, if voters have delegations set up, uh, like Liquid Democ, whatever that is, the delegates get the vote. Voters can use those to vote on the corresponding issue, or they can abstain. If they abstain, the default is that their voting tokens for that issue go into the, quote, market. Basically, this is a place where other voters can pick them up, but not for free. Voting tokens expire after the vote they were created for is over. To, quote, buy, unquote, other people's votes. <laughs> Buying a vote, yes. Because we don't already know how that ends up. Uh, to buy other people's votes, you need to use liquidity tokens, or LTs. There's only one type of liquidity token, and they don't expire. To, quote, buy, in quotes, those other votes, the ones in the market, hearing the air quotes here, you need to bid on them using LTs. Everyone has an opportunity to bid on them. You can pick both the price you bid at and the number of votes you want. So for a popular issue, you could get a few expensive votes, but for an unpopular issue, you could get a lot of inexpensive votes. When the auction is done, all the LTs that are attached to successful bids are distributed proportionately to everyone who let their votes go into the market. So by abstaining in IBDD, you actually get political income. We sometimes call LTs political capital. You also use LTs to bid on those legislation slots I mentioned earlier. Right. This How long does this go for? Oh, no, we're okay. This means that we set up an opportunity cost between issues. Each voter has to think, do I really want to spend my political capital on this issue? Is there another issue I'd rather have more of a say on? These sorts of questions help people self-organise and move into the political areas they most care about. Because, yes, we all have so much free time to do this shit. All without authority, without someone saying, you do this or you do that. That's really important. Democracy today has an election, and then the successful candidate gets to be the guy that says, this is what we're all going to do. That's bad. If there's someone who has the unique privilege of deciding what's good and bad, then that's bad too. If we want a good political system, we need to get rid of this idea of privileged participation. If we really believe people should be equal in a democracy, then why are some people more equal than others? <laughs> Getting back to LTs, another reason that we have them and the legislation slots is they allow us to keep going back to issues. Sometimes we make mistakes or think of better ideas, which is just noticing a mistake we didn't notice before. When that happens, we need a way to correct it. If we use pure direct democracy, pure direct democracy, then the way voters are organised never changes. That means that noticing a mistake and suggesting an improvement and getting that improvement passed is really difficult. You need to educate everyone again, which can easily fail. And then we can't fix our mistake. We already know re representative democracy is bad at fixing mistakes, but better than pure de direct democracy. God, this is hard to read. 
Example, you can't pay the nomination fee for a federal election with a bank transfer, even though there are safer, faster and better ways to pay people now. It does fix some mistakes, but the government is the only group that gets to choose which mistakes to fix. In IBDD, it's different. Anyone can suggest that something was a mistake, that something needs updating. It's not free, though. Everyone has to weigh up, what's the value of fixing thing A instead of thing B? That choice helps us keep things serious and progressing at a steady rate. We don't want to change everything at once. I'm loving this. Once legislation is submitted through IBDD by buying one of those slots, any senators or MPs we have will put it forward to Parliament. Once that bill then goes through the system and it's time to vote on, then voters using Flux get to vote on it. Well, a little beforehand, so we have time to finalise the vote and that sort of thing. If the result of any vote in IBDD is that more than 50% of the votes are in favour, then our representative will vote in favour of a bill. If it's less than 50%, then they vote against it. It gets a bit more complex when we have more than one representative. Uh, We tried coming up with different ways to split up representatives and uh, a paper they've linked to is what we ended up with. Basically, we try to make the most voters happy with the split. When I looked into the other options, none of them seemed to work out. And then there's a, a further reading checklist. So that's VoteFlux at uh, VoteFlux.org. And you know what? They, ladies and gentlemen, are the future of Australian democracy. And won't that be wonderful? We're about quarter of the way through this shit, folks.
I, I wasn't going to sort of talk too much about the music I'm I'm playing tonight, uh, but I will uh, say that that's an Australian band from 1976 called Cybertron. Imagine that. I have the sneaking suspicion I actually heard them play live at some point. Um, but for some reason, my memory uh, of that is a little bit fuzzy. I have no idea why. Leave Party is well on its way to registering and needs more members. So if you would like to support Kim and the party, please speak with Kim after her speech. Kim recently led the Reclaim Australia rally in Townsville. Kim is highly concerned about multiculturalism and the recent terrorist threats. To Kim, it is about the legacy we leave our children and grandchildren. Please, can you give a round of applause to Kim Bigger? determination in never giving up. More importantly, not giving up on the people of Australia. Nick, myself and many others stand with you. It is all of our fight. It is a fight for our children. It is a fight for our grandchildren. It is a fight for our nation. We stand with you and not behind you. Being in a fight against Islam affects all of us both physically, mentally and financially. The cost of freedom is always high, but Australians have always paid it. And one path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender or submission. But we are all in this together. I have never seen such an attack on freedom of speech in our country like I have in the last 12 months. We need to continue to stand up and stand and fight for a battle that has already been won. I am amazed uh, by that grab for a number of reasons. That's uh, Kim Vuga, V-U-G-A, who was billed for a while there as the blonde Pauline Hanson. And that's a clip from her um, speech at the non-halal barbecue in Cronulla on the 12th of December 2015, uh, where they'd obviously chosen a spot under the flight path. You can hear the aircraft, you can hear the helicopters. I'm, I'm loving that. We need to fight the fight that's already been won, by which they mean lost. And it was won by someone else. Obviously, that is uh, the confluence of such evil forces as the Australian Human Rights Commission, who decided uh, that what they were doing, uh, or at least some of the things that people were saying, uh, was dodgy as all fuck. Now, <coughs> excuse me, this... Um, before I read uh, the issues that the Love, it or, the Love Australia or Leave Party uh, is uh, is concerned about, let me just say that <coughs> oh God, um, the Passion Pop, uh, which was uh, provided by the Passion Pop Fairy, um, yeah, probably like half of the bottle has been poured into a glass uh, sort of as we go along, but I haven't, like, uh, uh, finished the glasses yet, so we go on uh, there. Um, but it's it's kind of congealing in, in my mouth, like, 
syrup. It's awful. Still, the Passion Pop Perferi did send money, and that's uh, why this is happening. So the uh, Love Australia or Leave Party, uh, based in Townsville in Queensland. What? Why does this keep happening? Here are some of the issues in which the Love Australia or Leave Party will campaign on. One, truth in sentencing. Fuck knows what that means. Apprenticeships, just as a concept. Assisting small businesses. Hardline immigration policy. <laughs> There's a surprise. Combating extremism and Islamization in Australia. Islamization, I would say, but, you know, I'm educated. Halal certification. That's, that's one that keeps getting it, getting them, isn't it? You know, it's like, oh, these people say this food is okay for their religious purposes. Oh, I'm not eating. It's like it doesn't change it for you, you stupid cunt. A dedicated incarceration facility for terrorists. Apparently. Providing a stronger defence force. Supporting veterans. Removal of Vlad and association laws. Yes, that's the... What's... What, that's the... Queensland laws uh, that uh, make it problematic for you to uh, associate with bike bikers and uh, the outlaw motorcycle gangs. Admittedly, that law does have problems, but uh, you kind of, you can see where these guys are coming from. There's not exactly a uh, a kind of fundamental human rights freedom of association uh, mindset from there. It's just that they would like to consort with with bikers. Ah, yes, they want to amend Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act. There's a surprise. Look that one up for yourself, folks, if you're from outside Australia and not familiar uh, with that wonderful little thing. Uh, Welfare reform, though they're not saying how or in what what direction. Reform family law, we know what direction that'll go in. Child support overhaul, here we are again. There's just themes with all these people, isn't it? Coal seam gas mining, so are you for or against what health system? Just health system as a policy. Pro-firearm policy, there's another shock. National water security, uh-huh. Job creation, mm-hmm. environment, just generally. No foreign ownership, surprising no fucking one. Education. You know, for a party that's in favour of education, they're surprised. <laughs> Fill out the rest of the joke yourself. Cost of living. Yeah, they're having a... Ah, uh, here we go. Making it illegal to burn the Australian flag. Now, this one I'm fascinated with because the actual flag code says that at the end of a flag's life, that burning it is actually a dignified way to dispose of it. You don't throw the flag into the bin. Mind you, these are the cunts that wear the flag as a cape or have, you know, Australian flag underwear or shorts or whatever, which is, oh, no, we can rub our fucking dangly bits against it and put skid marks on the Australian flag, but, oh, no, don't don't burn it. Uh, a Royal Commission into Child Safety, I, I thought we had that, and an 
unexit slash leave campaign. What the fuck even is that? An unexit slash leave like exit from what? The rational universe? The realm of working neurons? <sighs> There's a photograph on the website of uh, an old bloke uh, in, a, in a farmer's hat and compulsory uniform holding up a sign outside what looks like... That actually looks like Parliament House in Adelaide, but it's a bit hard to say from that angle. But uh, the sign is saying, My land, my dam, my water. Obviously, he's been told to share with someone. Party founder Kim Vuga was born in 1968, grew up in Bankstown, attended Bankstown Primary School during the 1970s. Uh, then they moved up to Tungkurri Forster in the 1980s in the mid-north coast of New South Wales. In my early 20s, she writes on the website, I worked as an aerobics instructor, personal trainer, and was heavily involved in many outdoor activities associated with the Australian way of life. In my spare time, I worked as a volunteer for the Tari Rescue Squad as an accredited rescue operator. In addition to this, I then spent two years working for Air Sea Rescue at Harvey Bay, Queensland. Then she murked. In 2002, I moved to Darwin, working full-time as a civilian employee at all three Defence Force bases during the Iraqi War and the Bali bombings. It was during this time that I held a military-slash-ASIO security clearance of secret. I also held positions with the Northern Territory Police CIB, where I worked on coroner's reports, transcribing, trans, transcribing court reports, including working with the Internal Investigations Branch. Townsville, family, four adult children, seven gorgeous grandchildren. God, she had a bit of work done, I reckon. That's... Or... You know, they all bred at the age of 19. I have spent the last six years studying psychology part-time, sociology subjects included, uh, via Central Queensland University. I am currently employed as a mental health worker. So there you go. Do you feel um, reassured by all that? I mean, really, go on. You do, don't you? You really do feel so much safer knowing that Kim's on the case. Next up, actually, before I go on, uh, I will just say you're a bit slow about sending in the dosh. Uh, the total has uh, crept up a little bit. Um, and, oh, damn, I missed. I miss one of my dares from from earlier. Uh, but the total has crept up to $1,401.93. The total now for Black Dog, uh, which is that minus 400 over two, is $500.97. Looking at some of the, 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 the messages that have come in, keep up the good fight. Uh, your ramblings illuminate the pit of despair under our broken world. Bravo. Uh, I look forward to listening to you read out some amazingly well-thought-out policies by these minor parties, which is uh, 
I thought, and and my favourite. This is this is very flattering. Like the democracy sausage and Anthony Green elections just aren't the same without your recitation of minor party policies. Thank you very much. I forgot to ask people whether I should mention uh, their names or not um, during this. So uh, check the website later and uh, you'll see the appropriate credits there. If you have not yet contributed, stillgarian.com slash tip, stillgarian.com slash tip. We move on now to the Australia First Party, subtitled Identity, Independence, Freedom. Where are these guys based? Uh, doesn't say there. They've got a picture of Pauline Hanson holding a Chico roll, although they're referring to Hansonism as the liberal shambolic populist faction. Uh-huh. There's uh, another blog post called Buying Up the World, the Coming Wave of Chinese Takeovers. Uh, with the subtitle, Chinese out of Australia, every single last one. Oh, look, a link to the Gab website. Twitter is for leftists, Gab is for everyone else. Uh, Greens, leftist lunacy. Uh, Australia is in danger from the real extremists of the left. I'm oh, oh, loving these guys. Uh, what else we got? Uh, no foreign labour and a picture of the CFMEU flag? Really? Oh, Dr. Jim Salim uh, is the president of this party. I, I have a bad feeling about this. The eight core policies of the Australia First Party Uh, one, ensure Australia retains full independence, which is interesting because I thought we were an independent sovereign nation, but there you go. But they reckon our sovereignty, national, constitutional and personal, and maintain and at what? Oh, protect our sovereignty, national, constitutional and professional, uh, per personal. I just put that because I've got a very furry microphone cover and it's like huffing a kitten. Uh, those uh, that sovereignty uh, we need to protect and we need to maintain an adequate defence while being compassionate and fair in our nation's national dealings. What are, so motherhood statements. We need to rebuild Australian manufacturing industries. They love working in factories, these people, don't they? This is the only way we can be self-sufficient. It will provide jobs for our children and help buy back the farm, that's an American term, and allow Australia to be free of foreign debts. Uh-huh. Our infrastructure has been run down over many years. It must be rebuilt. We must improve the practicality and relevance of our educational systems and target government support for industry to diversify, innovate, perform and expand. As long as we just restore all the previous industries as well, I suppose. We recognise that small business is fundamental to this policy. A satisfactory financial environment is also essential. All right, right now, ladies and gentlemen, I am pretty damn satisfied by a financial environment. Shoving those coins right up. For, oh, number three, control. There's only eight of these. That's okay. Oh, 
Actually, there are nine. At the top of the page, it says our eight core policies, and then they're numbered one to nine down the page. So that's good. Number three, control foreign ownership. Bring foreign ownership and investment back under our control. Mm -hmm. Four, reduce and limit immigration. Here we go. Immigration mistakes can be big long-term mistakes. Immigration policy must take into account social cohesion, employment opportunities, urbanisation and environmental issues. Where the hell are these guys based? They don't, they don't have a thing. Uh, oh, I, I just saw something on the menu items, which uh, there's the, the menu items across the top of the website of the Australia First Party are Australia in peril, headed with sections Aussie persecution, treachery within, globalism harm and third world harm, under Australian identity, the, there's a subhead White Australia. Are you shocked by any of this? <laughs> the Eureka League? Uh, okay. Control foreign ownership, reduce and limit immigration, yeah. Abolish multiculturalism. It's a divisive government funding and funded and institutionalised policy, apparently. Here we go. Six, introduce citizens initiated referenda. Amend the Australian Constitution so that the people can initiate constitutional referendums, although it's referenda in the title, it's referendums here, which, if approved by the Australian people, will amend the Australian Constitution. This simple step will confirm the political authority of voters and make politicians aware that they are the servants of the Australian people, not their masters. The people directly should also possess the sovereign right and the power to initiate other legislation. It's a bit sort of like the vote flux, guys, but, you know, with added racism and crankiness. Seven, strengthen the family. Promote policies that strengthen and protect the traditional family. Strive, number eight, strive to rebuild a united Australia. Promote policies that recognise the interdependence of city and country. Hmm. You think, uh, no, I won't go on about that. Don't we already have the National Party? Nine, democratise other policy issues. All other policies, brackets, non-core policies, <laughs> which, which includes obviously health, education, uh, defence, did defence get it? No, health, education, defence, aged care, what else, what else is, is not a core policy? Anyway, they're the matters of free conscience and are not binding upon Australia's first future parliamentarians or councillors who are to represent their electorates. So there you go. Um, I'm, I'm going to click through to Australian identity slash white Australia. Oh fuck no! It go. It's it's a huge, huge. Oh, it's actually not a huge page. It's just the sidebar has all of that, that crap. Uh, but there, there's basically a big call for and a big shout out to the Immigration Restriction Act of 1901. Uh, oh dear! Oh. 
And and here we are, a map of the world showing the warm countries in which the skin of human beings gradually becomes brown and the hot countries in which it gradually becomes black. Uh, and then a poster from, not sure of the date, keep Australia white and free, vote no to conscription. That must be World War One. Um... Look, I, I, that's the Australia First Party. Um, I really haven't enjoyed going down uh, that rabbit hole. So, uh, oh, some music.
Those guys are actually from Argentina. And... God damn it, I've got the wrong page left open. Oh, here we go. Uh, they are called The Dub Style with two Bs. Uh, that's from their album uh, Sun is Dub. And that's the first track called Navi Dub. There you go. Uh, so The Dub Style, do you double B S T Y L E? Uh, while that was playing, you uh, mob have actually started to. Uh, to really uh, bump the money in, and uh, that's fantastic. Let me just total that up. I, I again, won't read the names out, uh, but uh, it's very pleasing to see uh, double and even triple figure numbers coming in, but everything is appreciated, obviously. Total now in the tip jar, $1,581.93, uh, deducting my initial bit and doing the calculations as advertised on the website, that's $590.97 to the Black Dog Institute. Uh, we've got two and a half hours to go, I think we can do. This is like a telethon, isn't it? A, a streamathon. That doesn't sound very nice, does it? <laughs> oh dear, oh well. <laughs> Next party, this is an oldie bit of goodie. The Christian Democratic Party brackets Fred Nile group. Now, Fred Nile, of course, is no longer in a position to uh, to participate uh, in politics, and there's no Christian Democrat Party uh, politi- politician in the New South Wales Parliament anymore. They are a New South Wales-based party. Uh, from memory, they're not running any candidates in any other state at the federal election. Uh, but these are these guys are pretty old school um, Christian party, of course. Let's uh, just read out our principles off their website. To uphold a free and democratic society with freedom of speech, the rule of law and stable constitutional government. Yeah, right. To support and strengthen the family, capital F, unit as the basis of our society and responsible parenting with pro-family, pro-child policies, no to euthanasia. That last bit sounds tacked on, doesn't it? Uh, To stand for high moral principles in all walks of life and in legislation based on biblical ethics and integrity. So stoning adulterers, I assume, that sort of thing. Turning people to pillars of... Ah, turning people to pillars of salt... That'd be so cool. To foster the principles of government accountability and responsibility and active citizen participation in a social compact, which is, of course, one of those things that ladies used to keep their face powder in. Australian laws must be based on the Judeo-Christian ethic and not on any other religious laws. Yeah. Or possibly maybe don't base them on any religious laws. But anyway... Uh, another principles to respect our Australian flag and the values in our heritage, culture, and ideals of equality, democracy, merit, and justice. Uh, this flag thing to advance the cause of social justice for all: the underprivileged, the unemployed, the handicapped, the elderly, the displaced. Uh, to pursue the ideal of a sound mind in a sound body by promoting a healthy lifestyle free from any abuse, drugs, or harm. 
calls for another drink. I'll fucking finish this class. More harm the better reading this shit, if you ask me. Uh, to expect a high standard of education, social and medical care for all Australians, urban or rural. I, lo I love how so many of these parties need to clarify what all means. You know, all of them. Yeah, urban or rural, yes. Old or young, yes. All of them. Fuck it. To exp oh, I've done that one. To favour a totally integrated environment for sustainability, i.e. social, economic and physical. A totally integrated environment. Okay. To encourage... I'm burping because of that fucking shit passion pop. It's awful. I really... Oh, really don't feel very well. And I'm going to... I mean, we can talk about... No, I haven't. Oh, not quite half the bottle down. I'm pacing myself because I can't stand the thing. Uh, we are currently reading uh, the Christian Democratic Party brackets, Fred Nile Group in brackets, uh, principles. Uh, and on this episode of The Edict, uh, we're not far away from halfway through four hours of reading Minority Party uh, policies for participants in the uh, soon-to-arrive Australian federal election two weeks from tonight. So the Christian Democrats also oh, no, done that. They also encourage Australian ownership of enterprise, industry, and capital, and promote decentralisation to create more sustainable jobs. So yeah, shut down the cities, move more to the. I would be in favour of moving all the Christian Democrats to other cities, towns. Paddocks, isolated locations in the desert, Mars. Oh, it's not in Australia. <clears throat> to promote the pursuit of excellence in all fields of human endeavor. Excellence. I'm in favour of excellence. <laughs> Good. Um, to promote world peace and understanding. Is there a swimsuit round? Uh, to promote world peace and understanding where all can live in peace, peace and harmony and make Australia a shining example. Like a shaft of gold when all around is dark. Uh, CDP, that's the Christian Democrat Party, candidates are in total agreement with CDP aims and principles. But in every instance, they're free to vote according to their conscience under God's guidance. <laughs> Do what you like, follow your heart, follow God's guidance, but you agree with all of this. Oh, dear. Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm going to read a few more of their policies because basically they're so good. So good. Uh, I have them open at a web page. Have you heard of the web? It's really good. Um, oh, th this is uh, this is actually their policy platform, which is actually not that long. They say they update the policy platform each election, which is fair enough because different issues uh, come by. Well, there's quite a lot of them. Let's see how we go. I can probably 
you know, get sick of these pretty quickly. Law and order at the top. Law and order is a foundation of society's social order and business confidence. As such, it needs to be balanced with a moral social code, effective law enforcement, and an efficient judiciary and a and a wisely governed penal system that seeks to restore convicted persons where possible to good to good contributors to society, including a fundamental position of one law for all. Mm-hmm. Economy. The economic decisions made for a community determine the financial well-being of each person in that community. My God, who'd have thought? A healthy economy is one where people are able to get a meaningful and sufficiently remunerated job that allows a balance between work and non-work times. CDP holds to ensuring a healthy environment for business to start and grow, ultimately contributing to job growth and a stronger economy for the country. So whole bunch of just words. Education. Here we go. Quality education is fundamental to a prosperous and equal society. You right? Education must be about instilling life skills and training students towards life beyond the education system capable of diverse career choices. Oh, the life capable. Okay. The so called three R's reading, writing, and arithmetic, and parental rights to have a say in their children's education must be a foundational of the education system, possibly even a foundation of it. CDP supports special religious education, SRE, and scripture classes as a mainstream option in our schools and as a basic right for children to explore the faith of their family. Equal access and protection for Christian tertiary education, removal of safe schools and gender ideologies. We don't want safe schools, do we? Hell no. I'm going to skip environment because, yeah, it looks like a lot of bullshit. Social security, we've already covered. Housing, yeah, I'll get rid of economic rationalist market forces, brackets private development. All right. Labeling. Okay. This is this is products, by the way, not people. Truth in labeling. We purchase products that are packaged, influenced by the words written on the label, and as such, this information must be able to be depended upon. We will pursue policies for accurate labeling of all packaged products and appropriate health disclosures. Um, if there's anyone in the FMC uh, uh, FMCG uh, industry, the food packaging industry, perhaps you could confirm t- for me that that's already the law and has been for a long time. Just asking questions. Health. Oh, yeah. Healthcare should be available, accessible, and affordable. Seems fair enough. Immigration. This is the Christian Democrats. What have they got to say on immigration? Each nation needs to manage its immigration so that there is a balance of visitors and immigrants that will contribute positively to the nation. In the last several years, we have seen a rise in immigration that has outpaced infrastructure and potentially affecting housing affordability, health affordability and employment declines. And... A strain, what? And a strain on the social security system resulting in community disquiet towards some new immigrants. <laughs> disquiet. 
police were called out today to a disquiet at Cronulla. Uh, this has the potential to change the character of Australian society. Immigration needs to be carefully managed, taken on the advice of demographic experts and not growth economics. Mm-hmm. God, these people are cunts. Uh, Defence, they want to build it here first approach. Infrastructure, they want some by the looks of it. Uh, but they, infrastructure needs to be accessible to all of the population, especially the elderly and those with disabilities. Marriage, family and gender. Excellent. This is the Christian Democrat Party. Marriage, family and gender. The traditional marriage between one man and one woman has held a special place in the life of our communities for centuries. So is spinsterhood. So of dogs. So is murder. Pretty f- Murder's got a pretty special place. Uh, it seems unwise to discard this unique definition of marriage. Just statement of the conclusion. Anyway, it is also notable that this traditional man-woman marriage is supported by non-religious groups, atheists, and throughout all faiths, and it represents a broad section of the population. And as it represents a broad section of the population, should be protected as a proven contribution to social and democratic stability. Democratic stability. My God, same-sex marriage will cause democratic instability. We, we do note that changes uh, that have been made to the Marriage Act and uh, we are carefully examining the full consequences of this decision. Shouldn't take you long. There haven't been any. Uh, gambling, they're again it. Tourism, yeah, they're in favour of it, especially our beautiful coastlines and country towns. Transport, yeah, they're in favour of that as well. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, um, was the Christian Democrats. So there you go. The following message is a paid promotion. Yeah, I have no shame. In the Australian Capital Territory, if you're not in Canberra, just tune out for about a minute or so. There's an independent senator by the name of Anthony Pesek, a P-E-S-E-C, uh, who's uh, running for the Senate uh, in the ACT. And uh, what he's... I, no, I never met him. But what he says he stands for uh, is a whole bunch of stuff on climate change, including committing to a limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees, uh, Australia becoming a leader and exporter of clean energy technology, uh, setting up a, a science-based climate change authority and, and that sort of thing. Uh, he's a small business owner and has uh, a bunch of policies uh, about small business. Uh, he is opposed to Labor's flawed franking credits policy, as he, he calls it. He's opposed to changes to negative gearing of, of the housing market uh, and wants to prioritise uh, reducing uh, tax, both for companies and individuals. Um, he's uh, The other headlines here, I will say, tackling political corruption. This is Anthony uh, Pesek we're talking about. Better healthcare, 
respecting the rights of the ACT, um, he uh, sees the ACT as having the best educated, best informed and most politically literate population in the country. Uh, if it doesn't have the sophistication and wit to make decisions about issues like euthanasia, nobody does. Uh, and a bunch of other things too. Uh, I do happen to know uh, that he's looking at supporting the extension of safe harbours and fair use in relation to copyright. Um, oh, I can't read this quote out because it uses the word clusterfuck, uh, but it's in relation to the uh, assistance and access bill and data retention. Uh, uh, Mr. Pesic himself. Uh, Pesic or Pesic? I should have asked. Um uh, he himself did not use the word clusterfuck. I wish to make uh, that clear. Um, so that's him. Um, Mr. Anthony Pesic, or Pesic, should have asked. Anyway, he's running for the Senate in the ACT uh, as an independent. Um, and I don't have much else uh, to say at that point. Authorised by Anthony Pesic, Canberra. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this next bit's going to be fun. It's, <laughs> as we, uh, shall I have another drink? I think I'm going to uh, need it uh, for this mob because uh, these aren't one of the bit. I get closer to the microphone. These, uh, these guys are a, a bit of a worry. Let me now introduce you to the non-custodial parents party brackets equal parenting in brackets because children need both parents. Now, these guys have been around for a while. Uh, they obviously haven't got anyone into to parliament at this, uh, at this stage. Uh, but the, the party was founded by Mr John Flanagan, who's the candidate for Cunningham, which is the electorate on the south coast, oh, on the coast of New South Wales, I should say, at least between the south of Sydney and Wollongong. And I'm reading from uh, their website, uh, because if you look at the policy page, it does say, summary uh, brackets, note all items shown in blue can be clicked for further details. So uh, Mr Flanagan is um, talking to uh, an audience that don't know what a link on a website is. So that's um, that's promising, isn't it? And it reads, and I quote, The media release for John Flanagan is as follows. I am a retired civil engineer from Thoreau. I am, <laughs> I am standing in Cunningham to highlight what I believe is the unjust family law system in Australia. I am the parent of two girls from a de facto relationship. I was shocked at how much the court was both unfair and inequitable to parents after divorce or separation. The family law and child support system does not allow for a fair go in most of the cases. I belong to the Fairness in Child Support fix group located in Coniston. There are more than one, brackets one, million children that live in single parent families. I want to ensure children maintain a continuing and close relationship with both parents, grandparents and other family members after divorce or separation. I am also campaigning to try and stop family assets from being stripped by the legal expenses which result from the adversarial nature of the family law system. There are 
better ways. Well, we also have uh, two key policy areas uh, that, uh, that, that concern the non-custodial parents' party brackets equal parenting. Let me just check if there's any other candidate than this bloke. Oh, no, there's another bloke. Let's, oh, there's, there's three other people. Oh, no, one's a 2016 candidate. Um, do you want to know more about them? Let's see how we go for time. Let's look at the uh, uh, the child support policies. Oh, God, they, oh, fucking hell. Um, that, that looks like 3,000 words, which I am not going to read all of them. I'm just seeing someone on the Twitters mentioned that all these guys are Illawarra-based. Colour me shocked. Family law. Oh, here we go. Family law child support policy. Please click on the items marked in blue below for further details. Uh, There's a PDF of the document. Kids need both parents. Our solution. The current family law and child support problems are caused by government intervention. The reasoning behind this government interference is there is the perceived inequality between the non-custodial parents and the custodial parents occurring after divorce or separation. The government addresses this perceived inequality through the unaccountable use of bureaucratic and judicial intervention. The government is wrong. As a result... Oh, need to do this in that voice. As a result, non-custodial parents do not have proper contact with their children. I think that's what non-custodial means. Custodial parents then do not receive an adequate amount of support. Mm -hmm. The children from separated families do not have adequate contact with both parents, which... Yeah, The government does not receive taxation revenue that it would normally receive. Not sure about that. Let me just scroll down a bit. I want to minimise government interference, maximise the initiative of individual parents. They, they want implementation of a rebuttal presumption of equal time shared parenting. And there's an asterisk and Christ knows where that leads. They want to replace the family court with a family tribunal. Because the difference would be uh, fair and more equitable property settlements and superannuation splitting, because obviously these blokes have had an unfair one. Greater transparency passing. Please see below for item itemised details. Um, this will be fun. Current legislation and judicial practice is to grant custody to one, brackets, one, parent, usually to the mother and in a few cases the father. This occurs in 95, brackets, 95, percent of contested cases. This is wrong. Okay, they're generally saying that it should generally be equal contact, shared parenting. Uh, okay, whole rant about child maintenance and things with quoting bits of law. This is really awful. Okay, let's... 
I'm trying to work out what the difference between a family court and a tribunal. Uh, mediation is required instead of confrontation. I actually think that if all this has got to the point of being having having to be sorted out by the federal government, then confrontation is already the mode in which you're operating. Uh, this is boring as batshit. Ah, there's 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 a whinge. It's about. Oh my god. There's there's a there's a claim here that some non-custodial parents deliberately leave employment so they don't have to pay child maintenance. Like and they say, "Oh, they're having to live in terrible situations because of this." It's like, "Mate, you fucking quit your job, you stupid cunt." <sighs> Oh, my God. They're also worried about the wrongful use of tax file numbers because apparently the the court can have access to that de- those details to, to see whether you're being, presumably whether you're being honest about stating your income. How dare they look? <laughs> oh, man. This is... Oh, look that yeah. There's a bit of it. Do I do I let's see who else is here. Let let's let's have a look at the candidates, shall we? Andy Thompson, New South Wales Senate candidate. Uh he's self employed from Douglas Park in New South Wales. Uh he asked the voters two questions. One, do you think that the entire family law system needs overhauling? Or will you sit back and let our wonderful country and society destroy itself even further? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a choice. Please remember that when you answer this question, you have to live in this society too. <laughs> uh, no, this is clearly the better way to go. And question two... For the best interests of our children and for their future and for the future of our nation, will you support change to our present family law legislation? Well, if if it's either that or sitting back and letting our wonderful country and society destroy itself, uh, well, I think you know uh, what option I'd choose. Also... As uh, a candidate for New South Wales Senate, Eric Greening. Uh, not much about him. He's just really restated some of the uh, some of the the, the, the stuff elsewhere on the website. Well, this is most disappointing. I would have thought that the non-custodial parents party brackets equal parenting end quotes would have had a far more sophisticated policy platform than that. I mean, where's their defence policy? Where's their uh, education policy? What what are they going to do about health care? I don't think they've thought past that. Actually, years ago, I just remembered this, um, years ago uh, in the South Australian election once, uh, when I was producing the nighttime program on uh, ABC Adelaide, we decided, uh, presenter Tony McCarthy and I, that we would interview 
Uh, all of the, like all of them, all of the minor party candidates, there weren't as many then, or at least the lead candidate for each of the the non-major parties, because they normally didn't get heard. So we we invited them all in, and, and we gave them essentially the same questions, to be fair. And the equivalent then of what's now the uh, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party was then whatever the Firearms Party was. Um, we got the bloke in and we asked about their main policy platform. Can you outline their key issues? And, of course, he spoke about wanting to have a gun and wanting, you know, all of that. So then we... Uh, uh, then we said, well, all right, you know, if you if you get elected, you'll uh, have a number of uh, other things to talk about. So, what's your uh, education policy? I said, oh, yes, we had we'd we'd have firearm safety training in schools. Yeah, anything? Uh, any other thoughts? Apparently not. <laughs> Lovely. So, I I am. Now bored shitless uh, with the uh, non-custodial parents party brackets equal parenting in brackets. Um, and after that, kind of really, oh shit, I'm about 20 minutes ahead of time. I'm going to have to read more of this crap later. That's very, very depressing. Uh, meanwhile, here's another song. This one's from Russia.
if you're wondering what that is, um, I forgot to put it in the running sheet in English, so there's a whole lot of Cyrillic there in Russian, which I forgot to translate, but I'll put all this stuff on the website after uh, the program Sunday uh, the 5th sometime, Sunday the 5th of May, I'll get all of this stuff on the website. Links to all of these glorious policies. Um, just looking at the Twitters, uh, unfortunately I uh, don't have time to kind of necessarily catch up with everything, but I do notice uh, that there's one, uh, a couple of queries about the music, including uh, a request to switch it up with more pop. I don't have a license in place to play much pop, and I couldn't find any suitably licensed uh, pop when I went looking, well, yesterday, and I actually didn't spend all that much time on it. Um, it's something that needs to be sorted with copyright, in my opinion. There is no simple way uh, to uh, buy a license for, for really quite small-scale use uh like this, there's a kind of minimum uh, bureaucratic level uh, because there are, you know, so many leeching cunts along the way. Um, and, you know, the irony is when you work out the audience of this and the, the amount of uh, music I'd use and whatever, it'd be like, you know, 10 or 20 bucks per episode, if that. Uh, but there's no way of paying for it. And uh, I'm not in the mood to have uh, the podcast constantly hassled with DMCA takedowns and shit from hosting providers because the Digital Millennium Copyright Act in the United States is this appalling regime where it's guilty until proven innocent. So they just take stuff off. Uh, and then you have to say, no, 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 I have a license here. Pricks. Uh, but that is uh, is the universe we live in. Anyway, thank you to everyone who's going to stillgarian.com slash tip and uh, putting money in. I'm going to move now. Fuck, I'm running so early. You are going to get a really long read of something really bad later as a result. There is a party formed on the north coast of New South Wales, or ish up in that area, called the Together Party. Now, before I get into this, I, I will say that Mark Swivel, who is the uh, founder of the, the Together Party, is someone known to me. He, uh, in some of his other ventures, has been a client for a very, very long time. And this is kind of not as weird as it might sound. And money hasn't changed hands here, and I've not, um, I've not done anything with him or for him in relation to uh, to this thing, the Together Party. Mark Swivel, actually, I know as he, he's actually like a lawyer and has done a whole lot of excellent community law stuff and and grassroots uh, legal stuff in uh, developing uh, developing nations but i also know him because he invented a a comic character called uh, jeremy butsakis who was a a motivational consultant and he had a oh this is years ago 10 years ago he had a comedy routine which was essentially uh jeremy butsakis with a with a whiteboard and 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 flipboard and so on giving you motivational training 
It's really odd. I I'll I only mention um, this briefly because I want to get on to the the next glorious uh, party, which involves science. Science, science is involved in the next thing. Um, but the Together Party uh, has a wonderful little slogan, which was 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 about making Australia marginally better, which I quite like. It's not, you know, not a ridiculous aim. Um, but they have a, a mini-festo instead of a manifesto on their website. They, they are looking at, what does it say here? I, I'll just read this straight. It otherwise sounds like I'm giving them a plug. And I, I actually don't know any, I have not until now read any of this. So there you go. Together, a party dedicated to rebuilding our common wealth. Together campaigns for the restoration of government in the public interest as a constructive force for positive change across our society, from public broadcasting to a national ICAC, uh, from stopping privatisation of public assets to tenure for public servants, from boosting legal aid to investing long-term in scientific research, from developing national industry policy to genuine action on climate change. Uh, Our principles. Outcomes, not opportunity. Communities before the economy, people before profit, homes before houses, education before defence, living with, not against, the planet. Is it about gravity? Human rights above all. Right, let's, let's look at these. Better society. No, better spending. Better spending. We can make a huge difference in government over time by spending money differently, changing our priorities, and spending existing revenues better. Uh, it's a bit repar- repetitive here. Uh, invest in learning over defence. Become a renewable superpower. <laughs> Captain Solar! Um, if you're on the Twitters... Uh, Hashtag 9pm live. Uh, what other renewable superpowers would you like to see? Uh, anyway, the Together Party would also like to grow mutual and cooperative uh, and small business. Mutuals and cooperatives and small business. Uh, improve onshore criminal justice. Not quite sure what that means. Rethink taxation to better invest in community, education, health and Climate, there's a more button. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, this... Uh, I'm just going to... They're better spending... There's, there's quite a bit. I'll just read the bullet points. Uh, they want free undergraduate university education. They want to rebuild uh, TAFE and fund scientific research. Uh, they want government investment in industry development in renewables. Uh, a turbocharged sovereign wealth fund. Wow. Jet savings. A new land tax paid by all landowners. Working with the states and replacing stamp duty, this would add billions to revenue and fund an affordable public housing scheme addressing the existing market failure for lower and middle income housing. Reducing the discount for capital gains taxes could also boost revenue. Uh, they want a universal basic income. 
a Buffett-style tax, which I assume relates to Warren Buffett. Um, people earning, say, 250000 or more must pay an agreed percentage of their income, a flag fall in tax each year. The minimum rate paid should be no less than the GST. That, that sounds like something I'd have to go away and think about. Uh, a corporate turnover tax. This would ensure companies contribute to government revenues even when their income tax would otherwise be zero. So that strikes me as a tax on revenue, not a tax on profits. Hmm. Uh, more public health spending, uh, private school funding to be reviewed and reduced with a boost to public school spending, uh, public broadcasting guarantee, uh, funding for the ABC and SBS uh, doubled in year one, followed by a fixed statutory 10% increase for 10 years. Wow. I might get a job. Oh, I don't want a job at the ABC. I had a job at the ABC. As they used to describe it, Australia's largest sheltered workshop. Um, they want to have a go at middle-class welfare, phasing out superannuation exemptions and introducing means tests for all tax benefits. A religious institution's tax, 10% of income, i.e. the rate of the GST. And a climate change fund and a bunch of other things well as well. Um... I'm intrigued by this Together Party thing. They've got three candidates for the Senate in New South Wales. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Under better society, what do you want? Better society or better government? I mean, I'm still running quite a bit behind schedule, uh, ahead of schedule. Oh, fuck. I just knocked. God damn, it didn't break, but I just knocked over the glass of Passion Pop. There's only about half a glass in it what a shame there isn't as much passion pop to drink I've refilled the glass uh, look I'm going to read um, their better government bits I might come back to a better society I mean obviously the the true uh, the true way of improving society would just be to bulldoze everyone into a fucking ditch but better government from the Together Party. Government should report annually to the Australian citizens on the return on investment for money spent in every project fund and department as a company reports to its shareholders. Every government department already has an annual report, so I'm not quite sure. And we have estimates, so I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Privatisation as a government policy should be suspended. A new model for running statutory corporations uh, should be developed for key industries, including banking, energy, transport, and telecommunications. Government tender processes should be completely transparent. Commercial confidentiality ending once the tender is awarded. Uh, more resources for the Australian Securities uh, and Investment Commission, the Australian Consumer and the ACCC, 
and APRA, the Australian Prudential Regulatory uh, Authority. Uh, they want an accountability and corruption watchdog. Uh, election campaigns uh, publicly funded with cap private donations, public register of lobbyists. Significant dis- strategic decisions should need a supermajority of both houses of parliament. That would include referendum proposals, decision to go to war, or material changes to a treaty or international status of Australia. Hmm. Um. Oh, excuse me. Bubbles, fucking bubbles. Not even good bubbles. Close down the offshore detention centres. Yeah. Uh, failing NGO service providers should be renationalised, such as in employment services, vocational education, and disability services. Under climate change projects is a whole uh, thing, sovereign wealth fund. And also the health of the Great Barrier Reef should be the barometer of our success. Well, that's interesting, but if that's the KPI, we'll have a reef and and a lot of dead carp in our toilet systems. Independent authority should manage national water allocation and use. And Australia should be a republic. Okay. Um, what else uh, do we need here? Um, oh, look, their third area. Let's, let's go through this because we do have time. Um, what was it? Better Society. Click through, wait for it to load. Indigenous Australia should be able to negotiate treaties with the federal and state governments. Yeah. Uh, National industry policy must be central to government. We need a clear set of priorities, targets and funding commitments for developing our current and future technology. Now, this... Turbocharged Sovereign Wealth Fund. We'll do that again. Uh, We'll lead the implementation of national industry policy with a key strategic and funding role for government as an investor and partner. Incentives are required to keep investment in Australia to support infrastructure development rather than chasing profits overseas. Now, all this would address uh, key community concerns And there's about a dozen of these. I'll go through them quickly. A housing strategy and fund should be a key government activity. Uh, Better public and private housing. Superannuation funds should receive incentives to invest in lower and middle income housing. Okay. The minimum wage should be boosted. The NBN, here we go. The NBN should be wholly owned and operated in perpetuity by a statutory corporation. Our technology platform is too important, too fundamental to our society and economic development to be politicised. That'll be a winner for a few people. A high fibre policy uh, on this party. Ha, 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 ha. That was funny, wasn't it? Uh, our national energy policy must manage the transition to renewables. Uh, free undergraduate university, we've done that. Legal aid for lower-income Australians needs to be improved. 
Unions must be strengthened with clearer rights to strike and organise. Women need to be more prominent in government policy, uh, with violence within families and reproductive rights given more focus and funding. We need to listen to women. How <laughs> they would? No, I'll behave myself. We need a serious arts policy and funding. Uh, public broadcasting, we've mentioned. Uh, fuck the rest. Um, that is the Together Party. I've, I think I've finished reading that now. That's enough for you, isn't it? Every moment, every movement, every heartbeat, you were there. So who do you trust more with the health of your child? Them. Or you? Pictures of, there were pictures of politicians there and their parents, you see. This is a TV ad. Love the music. This is authorised by Michael O'Neill. Involuntary medication objectors, vaccination and fluoride party, Bellbrook, New South Wales. Yes, dear listener, the involuntary medication objectors vaccination slash fluoride party. I told you there'd be something for the scientists here tonight. And here we are with some of the best science there is to offer. I'm sure you'll agree. <clears throat> the Involuntary Medication Objectors Party is committed, or should be committed anyway, to giving a voice to the tens of thousands of Australians who have been ignored by the government and vilified by the press for their informed choice to reject the highly questionable government-sponsored vaccination program. I'm still... Belching from this fucking thing. Objection is also raised to the mass medication of the population by the fluoridization with a capital F of our water supplies. I, I'd like to replace this fucking passion pot with some fluoride. Oil. I have to finish it because I mean it'll only go flat otherwise, right? 
The Involuntary Medication Objectors Party will be standing at least seven candidates in the 18th of May federal election. The party needs your support to turn back this great tide of evil that strikes right at the heart of our hard-won freedoms that make us uniquely Australian. This is fucking glorious. You are invited to join the party, make a donation, and add your voice against this great travesty of justice and freedom. <clears throat> There's a Q&A. Would you like me to read you the Q&A? Of course you would. One, what is the basis for your party? Our party was founded out of concerns that the precautionary principle, first do no harm, is being ignored with respect to mass medication programs such as water fluoridation and vaccination. Due to genuine scientific uncertainty about the benefits and risks in a genetically diverse population, combined with inadequate surveillance of potential harms, we support the right of every Australian to freely opt out of these mass medication programs without penalty. Just quietly, if they're worried about uh, a genetically diverse population, how come all of these people are white? Just a thought. Mandatory vaccination lobbyists have been very successful at shutting down any legitimate conversation or questioning of medical and political practices by labelling such people as being anti-vaccine. We believe that it is appropriate and acceptable to criticise government policies that are not evidence-based. Wow. Two, are you a single-issue party on vaccinations? The party being called the Involuntary Medication Objectors Brackets Vaccination Slash Fluoride Party. Yeah, yeah, well, let's have a think about that. Our concerns are about compulsory mass medication, are not limited... Oh, I, I, I'll do the sentence again. You need to do this properly. Even with this fucking awful passion pop. Our concerns about compulsory mass medication are not limited to vaccination. We are also opposed to water fluoridation and any other compulsory mass medication carrying the risk of significant harm that may be implemented in the future. Our concerns are informed by the decline in overall health outcomes of children who are suffering with chronic autoimmune diseases and disabilities not observed in previous generations and the possible connection with the growing vaccination schedule. Yeah, the reason you didn't see those other diseases, you stupid cunts, is because the kids died before then. We are also <laughs> we are also concerned about the erosion of natural health therapy choice and funding for natural therapies, pressure for medicalized births, the poisoning of the food, environment and the planet through chemicals, pesticides and insecticides. We support sustainable green energy and believe everyone has the right to live a happy and healthy lifestyle. Except your kids will die of measles. Are you against vaccination? If yes, why? We are against the bullying, blackmail, 
discrimination created by our media and government, and we reject the mainstream hysteria of today that the, quote, science is settled. That's hysteria? All right. Vaccination has been reduced to a for and against false separation for the purposes of suppressing legitimate criticism of taxpayer-funded vaccination policies. I, I'm starting to get the impression that the uh, the involuntary medication objectors' vaccination slash fluoride party is is slightly obsessed with vaccination. In recognition of the scientific uncertainties regarding the safety and effectiveness of mass vaccination, we believe that all decisions about vaccination should be a matter between citizens and their chosen medical practitioner without intrusion by the state. We are concerned with compulsion or coercion by the state, a view shared by many medical practitioners and public health experts who otherwise support the vaccination program. We are not alone in this regard. Four, the medical community believes vaccination is integral to the functioning of society and stamping out diseases. What do you say to that? (laughs) Well, many medical practitioners and public health experts who otherwise support the vaccination program share our... This is the same answer. Share our concerns that making vaccination compulsory for receipt of federal welfare benefits and enrolment of children in childcare service and and kindergarten is unnecessary and unjustified. Taxpayer citizens should be able to question the integrity of pharmaceutical companies based on the extensive history of corruption and fraud in the industry for regular drugs. There is no reason to presume that the track record of pharmaceutical companies is clean just because it's a vaccine. Do you know who is recommending these vaccines? We are finding that a lot of the science is funded by industry in producing this data. For example, we've recently seen state funding of the GlaxoSmithKline vaccine Bexero in South Australia, despite it being rejected three times by the PBAC, Pharmaceutical Benefits Assessment Committee? Anyway, due to a lack of evidence of effectiveness, the state's recommendation to fund the vaccine was provided by the same people who are currently running the GlaxoSmithKline-funded Bexero trial in South Australia, and the conflict of interest arising from this is a, a legitimate concern. Allergy and genetic testing and full family history and prior adverse reactions should be considered before vaccination. Full disclosure and informed consent by doctors should be mandatory before all vaccination. Vaccines do cause adverse reactions, including death, disability and injury, therefore should not be mandated. Okay. Number five. Oh, my God. Tell you what, I can catch up by just reading the rest of this. I don't know that you'd be happy about that, but it'd certainly uh, save some problems. Um, Number five, what do you hope... uh, I'll I'll just do these bullet points and then... uh, These points and then do bullet points for the rest because these people are fucking nutjobs. 
What are you hoping to achieve with your political party? Well, our immediate goal is to restore proportionality and balance to vaccination policy in Australia. The no jab, no pay or play laws are not evidence-based or justified. In 2015, the Federal Joint Parliamentary Committee on Human Rights found that social services legislation amendment brackets no jab no pay in brackets bill 2015 which abolish conscientious objection exemptions for the purpose of eligibility to means tested family assistant payments limited the right to freedom of thought conscience and religion and raised concerns as to whether this limitation of rights was justified i got the emphasis wrong in that but Fuck it, read this if you're that interested. I'm just padding at the moment, to be perfectly honest. This finding was noted by the Joint Standing Committee on Foreign Affairs, Defence and Trade, which is currently conducting an inquiry into the status of human of the human right to freedom of religion or belief in its inter- interim report dated November 2017. In 2017, the New South Wales Parliament abolished conscientious objection exemptions for the purposes of enrolment in childcare and kindergarten, directly against the advice of experts from the Ministry of Health. Uh, Then there's a whole lot of laws they want changed. Um, Ah, here we go, number six. This is very badly formatted. It's their fault. Number six, what do you see as your chances of achieving electoral success? <laughs> I know what my answer to that is. Uh, their answer, we are confident there is wide community support for freedom of choice. We know that even among parents who choose to vaccinate their children according to the government schedule, there are many who object to laws which override parental consent. Uh, the party, this party, offers an alternative for those who are dissatisfied with the two-party system. Uh, and then they offer a Q&A with uh, Michael O'Neill, who's their rep uh, from the press, which which goes through all of the same things again. Oh, hello. Oh, no, we need to get on some fluoride stuff here, don't we? Number seven. You've taken out massive billboards in Port Macquarie. Of course, Port Macquarie. What response have you had? There are many people who are just looking to fight for something that is very important to them. Port Macquarie has had a big controversy over fluoridation. The press has generally portrayed them as against scientific opinion, but the reality is most advanced countries in the world have eliminated fluoridation from their water supplies. Japan and practically all of Europe are now fluoride-free in their water, and they are not experiencing the slightest decline in oral health. I would like to see a big citation required on that. Oh, boy, would I like to see that. I don't know that I can cope with any more of the uh, of the uh, voluntary, involuntary medical objectors, brackets, vaccination and uh, fluoride party. So I'm going to leave it there.
Given that you had uh, complaints about no pop music, there's some Adelaide pop music for you from 1997. That's actually not that's actually not the track I'd intended to uh, play because it was a little a little bit more aggressive than I'd wanted just at this juncture in the uh, in the program. Uh, but that's by a guy uh, who made music back in the 90s. That one's from 1997, as I think I may have just said. Uh, Paddy, P-A-D-D-E-E. That track is called 1138. If you know what that is, then you're a cool person. Um, that chap now works in the defence industry, which is kind of fun. It's a psychologist. Um, but there you go. I can't really tell you much more about that. Because rules. Uh, next up, oh dear, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to have to uh, just pour some more of this passion pop, mate, from the passion pop fairy. Um, wait, listen to that fizz. There we go. It's. I'm going to finish it, uh, and then move to the. Bundy OP uh, to help cleanse <laughs> cleanse the palate with Bundy. Yeah, I I might instead cleanse my palate with this Dettol instant hand sanitizer that's also convenient to hand. Convenient to hand. There. Okay. Next up. Next up in this uh, ridiculous four hour recitation of minor party political policies. Uh, someone did. On the Twitter say just then that where are the loopy left-wing micro-parties? Um, you're right. I really – there aren't as many, for starters. Um, but the, the – I'm just having so much fun with these. Uh, maybe I should do another episode of this on another night. We'll do the left-wing – we'll do more of them. There's so many. These are the better organised, more rational ones. Too. Um, next up, okay. I, I I should say there's there's a little over an hour to go, an hour and a quarter to go, and uh, still to come, some Clive, some Bob Catter, um, and another party that's an old favourite of mine, and I'm going to read you a lot of them. I'll be well into the Bundy at that stage. Who that is? I will keep a secret, but right now, it's the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. Hurrah! And we should pay attention to these guys because they actually have state seats in New South Wales. In the uh, western part of... Oh, fuck. Belch. Western, party of, uh, western parts of New South Wales. A uh, big protest to vote against the Nationals. So these guys are actually a, a thing... I'm going to click here to view policy PDFs. There we go. And we have policies on economy, farming and land management, fire, firearms, fishing, foreign affairs and society, outdoor recreation and access, primary industries, and safeguarding our environment. Now, in theory, oh, I've been catching up. This is excellent. Um, we know what their firearms policy is. Uh, we probably know what their fishing policy is. Let's check the economy. 
download PDF. Click on PDF. Oh, these are quite reasonable. Okay, we can go through a few of these. Fishers, uh, sorry, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party, Policy on the Economy, What We Believe. Oh, they, these are actually well-structured. They've got for each one what we believe and then an action plan. Better than most. Okay, economy, what we believe. To maintain Australia's AAA credit rating, which they obviously are accepting as a given, it is critical that the Australian government drastically reduces its debt. We believe in an economy which puts Australian interests and individuals first, striking the right balance between industry and consumer costs. We will seek a level playing field on any free trade agreement so that Australian consumers are not worse off. The rising cost of living affects all Australians. Oh, sorry, I need to come in. This is, this is, I need to do my doctor's voice here. The rising cost of living affects all Australians, and yet it seems every day we hear of super profits of the monopolies and duopolies that control an ever-increasing range of everyday household essentials. We support mining and agriculture as critical resources and sources of employment to the Australian economy. Small businesses are the biggest employer in the country, yet our taxation system and corporations law are all designed for the businesses at the big end of town. Our action plan. 1. Support reasonable measures that will reduce market domination and increase competition in the retail sector, covering basic items such as groceries, fuel and liquor. Okay, I'm with these guys. Liquor is a basic item. Two, support stringent measures to reduce market dominance and increase competition in the retail sector covering agricultural products. That's going to be milk, isn't it? That's going to be milk. We know that. Three, call on the states and territories to distribute state mining royalties directly to the regions, particularly rural areas. Mm -hmm. Four, commit to working with small businesses to identify specific measures required to ease the burden on small business owners, especially in taxation and employment legislation. We know what that means, doesn't it? Oh, having to pay our workers. Oh, having to pay our workers is so hard. Five, we will commit to developing a fairer taxation of individuals compared to multinational corporations without putting undue stress on the rising cost of living. I thought you would want to put stress on the rising cost of living. It's the... Never mind. Six, oppose any initiatives that disadvantage Australian businesses, employment or citizens for little or no benefit to our lives, economy or environment. This, in this includes opposing any carbon taxes. So you kind of could have expected that one, couldn't you? Okay, what, what do we do next? Uh, that was a con Let's do foreign affairs and society. This is the uh, uh, shooter's... Fishers and Farmers Party, uh, Foreign Affairs. Um, ooh, okay. Foreign Affairs and Society, what we believe. Australia is an important player in the international arena, and as a first world country, we have 
moral obligation to assist less fortunate nations and peoples, particularly during natural disasters, brackets which we're causing climate change policy. However, this cannot be done at the expense of undermining domestic aid needs, border security and national sovereignty. It started off so well, didn't it? We believe in a multicultural society committed to Australian... That's in all caps. We believe in a multicultural society committed to Australian values of democracy and freedom above all else. Australia is fundamentally reliant on agreements with powerful alloys for the simple reason that Australia could not defend our borders adequately without these alliances. Our defence spending should be increased and closely aligned with the requirements to maintain those partnerships. Australia is a large, arid continent. This is under what we believe. It's correct. Good to believe this. Australia is a large, arid continent, correct, with a modest yet growing population, also correct. We recognise that the only long... Oh, here we go. The only long-term solution for sustainably managing our water, food production and other natural resources with our increasing uh, population is for serious stakeholder debate and planning... Uh, for how our future needs will be met. There's some coded shit in that, isn't there? Foreign aid should not be set at some arbitrary percentage of GDP, but rather to what we can afford without compromising domestic aid programs and the living and health status of Australian citizens. So how does that last bit, as a first world country, have a, we have a moral obligation? Oh, except, except when it's too hard. Lovely words. Anyway, the action plan. One, increase investment in defence and rebuild our domestic skill base in the defence industries. Again, so much about rebuilding defence industries. Two, commit to working with the government of the day. So they're Okay, so they're not the government. They're the uh, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. Commit to working with the government of the day to plan and implement real solutions to mitigate the negative effects of our growing and highly concentrated population. Three, support offshore processing of illegal migrants. Mm -hmm. Four, immediate review of the impact of immigration and refugee impact. We should review the impact of the impact on domestic aid supplies and projects. Five, increase funding for homelessness and drug addiction research strategy and innovative means of reducing homelessness in Australia. Five, hang on, did five. Six, support increased infrastructure to alleviate homelessness. I think what they mean by that is build houses. Anyway. Seven, reject any international agreement, treaty or protocol unless such agreement is previously approved by the federal parliament. Yeah, I don't think they've thought through how negotiations happen. Just imagine there an ambassador or someone similar is sitting around a table, probably a senior public a senior public servant in DFAT, sitting around a table discussing how this will work, and and you know they're in a side room, they're sitting there with you know bottles of water and cups of coffee, and they just want to talk about 
a paragraph here, a sentence there. Oh, so, sorry, we'll be right back with you after the next sitting of Parliament, um, as opposed to just, yeah, all right. Eight, support increased funding for telecommunications services specifically aimed at regional and rural access. Nine, oppose any transfer of state or territory legislation to the Commonwealth without a mandate achieved by referendum. So I, I think what they're referring to there is called the Constitution. <laughs> the Constitution, where indeed, uh, apparently they haven't heard of Section 51 of the Constitution. And yes, I am the kind of sad fuck who could just name that off the top of my head. It's fun read. Of course, Gough Whitlam uh, had a way of working around that, he being a constitutional lawyer, uh, before he became... Uh, uh, Prime Minister in 1842. Uh, so Gough Whitlam, what he did, he said, okay, the Commonwealth cannot, you know, Section 51 of the Constitution explains what the, the Federation, the Commonwealth of Australia, has a power to do and all other uh, rights and powers are with the states. So uh, let's say it was about roads and transport, which is such a thing, building roads and bridges. Commonwealth gathers the funds through taxation disperses them to the states. Now, the Commonwealth can't control what the states do. It says so it's not one of their Section 51 powers uh, with regard to building roads. But what the Commonwealth can do is say, we will give you $3 billion to do this thing. And if the state says that we have to do something else, it said, no, 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 we'll give you $3 billion to do this thing. Don't know what you're on about there. So, so it's quite lovely. Doesn't say that the Commonwealth can't attach conditions to various funding arrangements. Beautiful work. Goff was clever as all fuck with that. Right. An hour to go. Um, I'm going to have another sip of this. And then we get on to one of the fun ones. Let's guess who it is. The best welfare is a job. The best security is a home. The best life is a family. The best country is Australia. Love Australia and put Australia first. Vote one, United Australia Party. Authorised by Clive Palmer for the United Australia Party, Brisbane. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Clive time. Now, you cannot possibly have avoided the uh, advertising for Clive Palmer's United Australia Party. Billboards in all the capital cities and in regional centres, television ads, YouTube ads... Ads transmitted to you through the fillings in your teeth. Ads transmitted to you through the coded messages in the fluoride in the water supply. All of those things. Um, let me just play you a little clip from the Today Show from the uh, 29th of April, uh, where, where Clive really, uh, really explains his position. Clive Palmer, when we did have Anthony Albanese on the show on Friday, he also took aim at you saying that you fell asleep in Parliament and that you didn't turn up when you were 
in Parliament and basically accusing you of not doing your job. What are you, well, what, let's were you face it, to doing I'm a, that? I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. Who cares about me? We care about this country. What do you mean you're a bad person? The policies we need to get done. We've got to stop about the fa fake news, people attacking individuals. We've got to talk about what we should do for the benefit of our children. Anthony Albanese doesn't talk about that because he just wants to divert attention off the real issues because Labor's got no answers. Bill Shorten can't be trusted. He's not to be fit to be Prime Minister of this country. He's not fit to be a Member of Parliament. They should throw him out. You know, he's been subject to enough inquiries. I don't want to attack him. He doesn't matter. He's inconsequential. What matters is Australia. What matters is your children and that they get a better future. And that's what they will get after the 18th of May when the United Australia Party is in government in Canberra. What do you mean when you're in government in Canberra? That's what we mean. Why do you think we're standing in 151 seats across this nation? Because we intend to win. And that's why they're upset about the polls. That's why Bill Shorten's stuck his head in the sand, because he knows the real figures. He's got Labor Party polls. Don't believe what you believe in news poll. Where's the undecided in news poll? 28% of Australians not even considered. You know, we know what the real figures are, and we'll be there on the 18th of May, and there'll be a new government in Australia, and this will be a better place. So Clive Palmer for PM. It doesn't matter who the PM is, it matters what the policies are and how they're delivered for the benefit of our country. For too long, people have pandered to people on the media and the news and worrying about what they think like and how they appeal. As I said, my wealth's $4,000 million. Do you think I give a stuff about what you personally think or anyone else I, but I care about this country? You know, my, my uh, members of my family have died in the First World War, served at Trebrook and Kokoda. My nephew, squadron leader Martin Brewster, led a logistics team in Timor. They've done more for this country than I or you could ever do. We're not going to let them down or the Anzacs down or what they fought for or give up this country. All right. Believe me, I'm happy to invest 50 million in Australia and 50 million in your, your children's future. All right. God bless Australia. You're making Put this Australians campaign first. interesting, that is for sure. Clive Palmer, we thank you for your time this morning and we'll watch this it's space over the next few weeks of the, uh, the campaign. May 18, here it comes. God bless Australia. God bless Australia. Pour another drink. That is the last of the passion pop out of the bottle. Hallelujah. The United Australia Star... Uh, the United Australia Party stands for and is committed in its efforts and vision to carry out the following functions. One. Actually, they're just bullet points, but whatever. Party officials should not be lobbyists, thereby taking a strong position on paid political lobbyists, saving taxpayers' dollars and introducing fair policies. <sighs> Perhaps they could hire a sub-editor when they're doing that. Uh, two, or bullet point, revising the current Australian government's refugee policy to ensure Australia is protected and refugees are given opportunities for a better future and lifestyle presumably somewhere else, creating mineral wealth <laughs> to continuously contribute to the welfare of the Australian community. This will be achieved by using mineral resources from Queensland and Western Australia and incentives from the Commonwealth of Australia to establish downstream processing in the states of Victoria, New South Wales and South Australia and exporting products at a higher dollar value, thereby creating more revenue, jobs, tax and more facilities. They're probably communities facilities because uh, 
they'd be facilities in the community. And uh, number four of those bullet points, establishing a system where people create wealth in various parts of the country and for that wealth to flow back to the community that generates wealth. I'll read that again. Establishing a system where people create wealth in various parts of the country and for that wealth to flow back to the community that generates the wealth. Ah, I think he's inventing an economy. For example, if a particular region creates wealth, a significant percentage of that wealth should go back to the region. Ah, I see where they're going here. Yes, we, we make the money. You can't have any of it. On the other hand, uh, there's, there's kind of a good chance... Uh, the United Australia Party is, is just obsessed with China. At 80 kilometres south of Karratha and the existing Karratha Airport in the Pilbara, the Chinese communist government-owned companies, with the help of the Labour Party, built and constructed a private jet airport. Located close to the coast, approximately 30 kilometres from the huge port of Cape Preston, where over 16 million tonnes of products are exported to China each year. The airport runway is similar to the Royal Australian Air Force runways in Queensland and the Northern Territory, where Australia's fighter aircraft are based. Australia could not repel military aircraft if they landed from carriers offshore. A superior military air force could, in effect, control all of Western Australia's resources in the Pilbara and the Northwest Shelf gas reserves. Labour Party Whip Yang, born in China, was affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party groups dedicated extending the Chinese Communist government's influence in Australia. Yang travelled with Labour Premier of Western Australia to meet the Chinese government in Beijing. Yang recruited over 500 members to the Labour Party. Australians must now be concerned that our politicians are acting in the interest of Chinese Communist government and not Australia. The port of Cape Preston in the Pilbara in Western Australia is a deep water port. It has the facilities necessary to support and sustain large-scale naval operations in the Indian Ocean. The power generation and water desalination plant, together with the bunker fuel capacity, provide the necessary logistics to support a large ground force equipped with heavy equipment. Chinese state-owned companies have exercised control over all these facilities, contrary to the security of Australia. We can't trust Labor with our children's future. The Chinese Communist government won't allow Australians or any Australian company to control ports or airports in China. Why should Bill Shorten or Mark McGowan allow them to control our strategic assets? Enough is enough. All Australians must stop the clandestine takeover of our country. Vote one, United Australia Party. Authorised by James McDonald for the United Australia Party, Brisbane. I don't know whether you noticed, but... They may just have, in passing, mentioned the Chinese Communist government. What I also love about that uh, clip, that two-minute TVC uh, television commercial, for those of you who are not familiar with the jargon, is that all of those uh, comments about runways similar to those that the Air Force uses, like apparently the Air Force also uses runways that consist of a, a straight strip of asphalt with, with runway lighting and markings, is that uh, they, they are read by former Navy commander by the name of, wait for it, Phil Collins. <laughs> I don't know whether he's sniffing something in the air tonight, but there you go. Um, would you like to hear about some Clive Palmer policies? Of course you would. Now, if you actually go to the website... Uh, you will find uh, some actual policies. Actually, 
I don't know whether you can. I, I've fucked up and I, I haven't got the right document. Oh, I read, I read them. <laughs> That's right. I just read them. Um, but there is also on the website this amazing thing, this amazing document called it's from 2015 called Clive Palmer MP Vision for Australia. And it consists of 28 pages. So we're going to cover. But then there's a page talking about his achievements. And then, oh, there is a vision in there of a couple of pages. And then there's a whole bunch of graphs about how Australia compares to the world or graphs as uh, they say in different parts of the, the country. Uh, his maiden speech uh, or inaugural speech to Parliament from December 2013. Lots of photographs of the big bloke just sitting around and, and definitely not sleeping in Parliament at all. Uh, what else have we got in there? Um, some stuff he's voted on, uh, some of his answers in questions in question time, and then his achievements again. So I love that he's listed his achievements twice in his vision. He's got double vision. Arr, 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 arr. Clive Palmer's vision for Australia. Ah, oh, this is a speech from May 2015 at a special function in Canberra. I can't read all that because it's going to go for ages. Um... Let me just give you the highlights. I'll, I'll read the start and read the end. How, oh, some good bits here. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Last of the Passion Pop. Mm. Oh, oh, fuck, that's awful. Uh, before we, I'm opening some chips. Or crisps, as these are. They're imported crisps. Sorry, Clyde. I, I need to have one because my I need salt because I've been drinking that shit for three hours. Took me three hours to drink a bottle of wine. What's wrong with me? Okay. Men and women of Australia. Actually, this is the way to do it. I'll do the I'll do it while eating chips. That'll be perfect client. Here we go. Men and women of Australia. Our country is known for its strength. Our people known for their resilience. Today we find our nation in need of both strength and resilience. The main issue facing Australia today is not just balancing our budget, but what Australians can do to regain Australia's status as the lucky country. Sadly, the Liberal and Labor parties are devoid of ideas. Government, governments may rise and fall. Prime Ministers may come and go, but ideas go on forever. Australians want to know, and Australians need to know, how, how life can come, become better, how life can be improved for their families, how life can be improved not just in 30 years' time, but in our time now. Domestic demand is at an all-time low. This is not very good, is it? Um, <laughs> domestic. Hang up. This is. 
People are suffering in the Tri-Valley, in Victoria, in the Hunter, New South Wales, Elizabeth in South Australia, Perth, just Perth generally, also Tasmania in the Territory. Australians have lost hope for the future. We have to re-establish confidence and lead the nation, not tomorrow, but now. We are, I'll skip a bit. We are all on Struggle Street together. But it's our country and it's our responsibility to do all we can to make the lives of all our citizens better than it is today. I truly believe this can be, this is awesome. I truly believe this can be done. Uh, sorry, these chips are quite good. These are, I bought these are Terrell's hand-cooked crisps. I thought they are imported. They're made in the Yarra Valley. This is mature cheddar cheese and chives. They're on special at Coles. I don't fucking know. We're at Woolworths or something. So the potato variety is Atlantic potatoes. Best before 9th of November 2019 because, you know, no fucking rush with cooked goods. Sealed away there. Oh. Oh. Here you go. There's some great bits in this Clive Street. Spending money makes the world go round, creates wealth, and makes the pie bigger for all of us to share. <laughs> and there's one thing Clive loves, it's a bigger pie. It had to be said. That's fat shaming. I'm sorry. Uh, construction, you know, see, pensions, low pay, um, the Australian government is the main practitioner of bankruptcy and company liquidations across Australia. Oh, okay. Government moves people from gainful employment to settle in. There's also a lovely photograph of Clive with um, the bananas in pyjamas. They look like... <laughs> they look like... Like stripy banana cops taking away <laughs> suspect they've just arrested. Oh, uh, Clive wants a zonal taxation system. Yeah. Here we are. Um, Japan has become the world's third largest economy by processing Australian resources. You know, the cost of energy. Oh, sorry. Got the emphasis wrong again. Japan has become one of the world's oh fuck it. Japan has become the world's third largest economy by processing Australian resources. You know, oh, sorry, I did it again. You know, the cost of energy is more expensive in Japan, and Japan suffers from the tyranny of distance. Wages are also higher. Yet Australia sells its mineral resources from forty dollars to a hundred dollars a ton to the Japanese. They process it in Japan and sell it for $20,000 a ton. What is cars? I think that's what he means. <laughs> we send them rocks, they send back cars, and the cars are more expensive than the rocks. How dare those cunt Japanese even consider doing this? These chips are very good. Mind you, as someone just noticed on uh, the Twitters, 
sandpaper scrapings would probably seem good after that drink of the passion pop. Yeah, that's actually true. Give me salt. Give me fat. Okay, last. Fuck. Um, last one for a bit. Oh, I saw what's coming up next. Definitely, I'm I'm going to th- this next thing next, but after a, after a song.
Yes, kids, I'm playing a lot of Adelaide techno just here. Let's face it, it's my podcast, not yours. This music is uh, basically some of my happy plays. And besides, I can play it without someone giving me grief over copyright issues because, you know, friends. (laughs) Friends let you play their music. Especially if it hasn't been signed to anyone. But now, but now, but now it's time to open the Bundy OP. All the Passion Pop from the Passion Pop Perferi is gone. Still some chips left. So now to take us through the last 30 minutes or so, 35 minutes. Uh, is Bundaberg Overproof, crafted in Australia, 57.5% alcohol, distilled, aged, then bottled at higher strength for a bold flavour full of egg, caramel and spice. I've not actually had the Bundy OP before. I had the uh, ordinary one last time at the uh, One Nation policy reading for the 2016 election. And that's shit. I mean, that really is an appalling thing to drink. Um, shit, I left the jigger on the other side of the room, so it's about a double. I don't have any mixes. So. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I should have got some dry ginger ale or something. Um, anyway, uh, the next... Oh, Oh, that's awful. (laughs) It's like drinking paint stripper. Not that that I'd know what paint stripper tastes like, mostly. Um, Next up, one of my favourite political parties in the entire universe, the Citizens Electoral Council. Oh, no, wait. I didn't play the other... Oh, fuck. I fucked this up. Okay. I've still got... I'm going back. I've I've still got a couple of Clive Palmer clips that I really want to play to you because that was the segue into this bit. I don't know how I missed that. For some reason, I wasn't paying entirely the right amount of attention to the running sheet. This is this is planned to be like this, folks. This was this. There's a diagram and everything. Okay, I I really want to play you. Um, apart from Navy Commander Phil Collins, um, Clyde Palmer has been running, as you know, a billion uh, TV commercials, uh, and uh, here is one of those that he's done different versions of for uh, for every region. million for the NBN, nothing at all for Sydney. They don't care about you. Vote one, United Australia Party, make Australia great. Authorised by Clive Palmer for the United Australia Party, Brisbane. Now, there's two things I want you to note about that. One is that Clive never says billion. He says thousand million. And that's actually quite good because a good strategy because it emphasises the size of the number. 
but he's done a whole series of them. 50,000 million on the NBN, but nothing for you in Sydney or nothing for you in Brisbane or nothing for you in Melbourne, depending on where the ad's playing. I'm reasonably sure that some of the 50,000 million on the the national broadcast uh, the national broadband network actually did go to the capital cities never mind but this one this one this series and there's one for every major city this is apart from the kind of ranty chinese communist party uh, ad uh, this is my favorite $55,000 million for the nbn nothing at all for sydney they don't care about no no uh, i need to press the right button Make Australia great. Fast trains for Sydney, one hour to the CBD for up to 300 kilometres away. Vote one, United Australia Party. Make Australia great. See, the great thing is... Palmer for the United Australia Party. Yeah, whatever. Fuck off. The great thing about Clive's love of the high-speed trains, which is, like, never going to happen, is the Citizens' Electoral Council love of high-speed trains. Now, the CEC's been around for years, and, and I'm going to play some of their policies because they're just... <sighs> they're just lovely. And I'm pausing to look at my screen because one of the grabs is missing. Oh, well. Doesn't really matter. I can play it in another way, and I'll do that... Oh, oh, fuck it, no. Look, the CC's policies, they say, will revive our nation with economic development and growth facilitated by national banking, like that of the old government-owned Commonwealth Bank, before it became the Commonwealth Bank. The CC's policies will return our productive industries to health by reversing the deregulation and privatisation enacted since the Hawke-Keating era. Or if you like, since since the economy was opened up to actually being able to compete on the world stage, CEC is a bunch of crazies. Talk about we may get to talk about thorium, possibly uh, featured policies. Uh, yeah, look, um, fuck it. Let's just go straight into their infrastructure policy because it's got trains. Oh, that's the one I forgot to upload. One, two, three, four. This is, you know, you know, like three and a half hours ago, the computer synthesis voice said, um, you know, um, production values would be low. We've reached. We've reached that point in proceedings where the production values are very low indeed. But what I'm going to do is uh, I'm just padding here because I'm going to uh, – where's the overall policy thing? Infrastructure. I can actually do this by playing this little clip through the web browser. Pause, pause, buffer. The CEC demands a massive public infrastructure development program for Australia of major nation-building projects in water, power and transportation, which will open up all of Australia to economic development and population. We reject and will scrap public-private partnerships and use a national bank to publicly fund projects to be kept in public ownership. 
They also say that Australia must join China's One Belt, One Road system. And then if you actually look at their website at cecost.com.au, which is really weird because part of their other website is under a completely different URL. But the Citizens Electoral Council um, is a big fan of high-speed rail, uh, irrigation projects in the desert, maglev trains, thorium pebble bed reactors, and all of the wonderful things you've come to expect from a really, really weird political party. Uh, and also, as someone just noted on, on Twitter, also shorter CEC, Jews! <laughs> yeah, all right. So there's your choice. You can have um, high-speed trains and anti-Semitism and nuclear energy based on a technology which only exists in YouTube comments. <sighs> so if you go to the website, you'll find that they have this. I actually estimated this for just their policy on high-speed rail is 3,800 words. I checked it would take me about 25 minutes to read the whole thing, plus I'd have to describe the maps. So what I'm going to do is summarise this. This is the Citizens Electoral Council's uh, policy on uh, high-speed rail brackets as summarised in brackets. Australia, oh, this is what was in the video. Australia's rail sector must be revolutionised both for the sake of transport within our country and also to tie Australia into the rest of the world. In particular, into the world's greatest population centres at the eastern and southern eastern Asian terminals of the Eurasian Land Bridge. So they're, they're proposing the Australian Ring Rail not to be confused with the Australian ringtail, which is a possum. Australia's rail sector must be revolutionised. Oh, this, they've just repeated the same paragraph. Um, this revolution will have two axes, actually axes, not chopping down tree things, but things. Professor Endersby's proposal for a Melbourne to Darwin Asian Express and a vast upgrading and expansion of Australia's rail network centering upon the new magnetic levitation or maglev rail technology pioneered in Germany and which is now being built in China. So, our nation's rail sector at present is a pathetic shambles, so bad that in uh, that the 2001 Australian Infrastructure Report Card prepared by the Institution of Engineers Australia a very conservative, understated body, rates it as a D-. minus. wonder where they've taken into account the fact that the Institute of Engineers might want to kind of get work for engineers. Never mind. The crucial Melbourne-Sydney-Brisbane rail corridor rated an F due to poor track coordination, steam age alignments, and inadequate signalling and communication systems. Actually, some of that's kind of true with the exception of rail lines built expressly to service mineral deposits most of australia's rail system was built at the turn of the 20th century 
The report of the Federal Parliament's Standing Committee on Communications, Transport and Microeconomic Reform. Hey, what? Oh, Tracking Australia. That's the title of the report from that committee. That, that report, Tracking Australia, ARF, ARF, warned in 1998, quote, without urgent and substantial investment in this infrastructure, major sections of the National Rail Network are likely to become irretrievable within 10 years. In this context, the rationale for increased investment in rail infrastructure has to be about averting the potentially enormous costs of diminished or defunct rail services between major cities on the eastern seaboard. Wow. That report was three, year, three years ago. What, 1998 was three years ago, according to this policy. Roll back. We're in 2001, folks. This is most definitely a space odyssey. Where the space is between you. This, bundle, this is awful wrong. What? Joel Michael, I, like, I, oh, fuck. I love your support, but, oh. Lie back and think of 57.7%. So... This 1998 proposal for the Australian Ring Rail, it shows a rail line going from Melbourne inland to somewhere a couple hundred kilometres east of Brisbane with a branch line to Rockhampton. And then it runs from there, just, uh, sorry, west of Brisbane. It runs from the west of Brisbane through Mount Isa to what's that, Tennant Creek with a spur out to Darwin, and the train then runs uh, from Tennant Creek to Broome and then down the coast of Western Australia to Perth. Uh, and they've, they've sort of flagged a whole lot of oil and gas and mining projects and horticultural projects. So apparently there's a horticultural project somewhere up in northern Queensland that isn't actually connected to this rail proposal. More horticultural projects in the north of Western Australia, which as some of you may, may know is kind of a desert. More mining? Okay. And then, oh, I need to tell you about the Asian Express. This is good. <laughs> this is an excellent map. You need to check out the maps. Actually, I'm going to tweet the map. Uh, let me just take a screenshot of that. It's fantastic, isn't it? This is, I used to work as a producer in live radio, and this is exactly the sort of stuff we, we would always count as quality, quality radio. Uh, so I'm just tweeting now the Asian Express, and, uh... I'll put a 9pm live hashtag, hashtag on that and paste in the map. Tweet. It's great stuff. The Melbourne to Darwin Asian Express proposal, which Professor Endersby, who is this Professor Endersby? I should look him up. Later expanded uh, into the ring rail to go around the top end of the continent. It's a beautiful idea which would transform Australia's relations to Asia. Yeah. 
bit less racism and some foreign policy might help too. Australia's present transport system is a huge constraining factor on the nation's export capabilities, as Professor Endersby explained to the CEC National Conference on November the 23rd, 1997. Oh, here's a quote. Need a drink for this. Oh, but paint's... It's a, oh, God, dilemma. Quote, Our present system of shipping involves what are still effectively tramp steamers that go through several ports. If you have a look at the timetables of all the ships that come to Australia, you find that when a ship comes to Australia, they visit three or four ports in our waters, and effectively most shipping in Australia circumnavigates the continent. This is not true. This system would cut right through this with a total new transport system. It's not just a railway line. It's a new transport system because of the fact or because these ships have to call at several ports in Australia. The sort of ships that serve Australia also call at several ports around in the Southwest Pacific East Asia area. So they have a schedule of about six weeks, a turnaround time of about six weeks. So for shippers shipping from Australia, it's usually a month plus to get anywhere in Asia. This is not, this is not true. This is just, with the Asian Express, however, three trains a day could be running between Melbourne and Darwin, and then with high-speed ferries, products could be in key Asian ports in another day or two, said Professor Endersby. So, three, a train, a container train, let's call it, let's be optimistic and say 50 to 100 containers. Three a day is, let's be generous and say 300 containers, right? Like I've, I've watched container trains go past. They're not actually that big, but let's, let's be generous. 300 containers. And have you seen how big those container ships are? Yeah. More from Professor Endersby. The distance from Darwin to Singapore is the same distance as the length of the Mediterranean. The sea state is mostly flat. In other words, it is calm seas most of the time. So that means we can contemplate fast ferries servicing these areas. And so we can have daily ferry services from Darwin to Java, Darwin to Singapore, and so on. I. I love these guys. I so love these guys. And these Asian ports are huge. Huge, huge. Hong Kong and Singapore are close to tide for the world's largest. You add in Rotterdam, mate. Uh, while the third largest port in the world is Kaohsiung uh, 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 in Taiwan, with four ports on the north coast of Java, which handle as many containers combined as Europe's great port, Rotterdam. Yet yeah, combine them. Oh. The Asian Express should obviously be built immediately. Fuck, I want some of what this guy's on. Ah, oh, development of the corridors. Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, a bridge across the Bering Strait. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This is fucking magical. There's another there's another train from like about 
they've got a whole plan for the oh man just I I I I've got to chuck this next thing on the Twitters because this is just magic. Um this is a whole bunch of new citizens electoral council <laughs> rail lights. Uh just all around the world, including like from Khartoum to Morocco. Oh, man. I love this. Okay, someone's just told me that Professor Lance Endersby passed away in 2009. Um, and as Dr. Reese pocketed us on Twitter, Maglev Freight Trains. <laughs> yeah, what, why the fuck not? Um. Oh God, there's a whole system. Oh, maglev, maglev. What I love is is like uh, a valet, Professor Endersby, obviously, because Australia is a lesser place without you. Um. But this is 2001, and I the CEC is kind of frozen there. A maglev rail system. The Maglev era has already begun. Oh, yes. Yes. This is on Maglev. This revolutionary new technology is not only suited for passenger travel at velocities of up to 500 kilometres per hour, for which the German Maglev system uh, TransRapid was optimised, but in the future will also allow the creation of fully automated systems of freight transport with performance parameters which up to now are completely unattainable. Such future freight systems will automatically transport containers from one chosen spot on the network to another like a computer controlled industrial conveyor belt at speeds of up to 250 kilometers per hour a single maglev container freight transport line could support as much freight daily as 20 or more parallel conventional railroad lines i love this next quote with the TransRapid, the ancient invention of the wheel is for the first time becoming obsolete. There is no longer mechanical contact between train and track. Instead, the train is suspended and propelled forward by electronically steered magnetic fields alone in a friction-free manner. Friction-free. Oh, I can't do the tongue roll. Friction-free. As a result... Magnetic levitation technology allows, in comparison with conventional wheel track technology, a much greater rate of acceleration, steeper ascents, narrow cur narrower curves. That no, it doesn't. Low noise volume, higher safety because of fully automatic operation and greatly reduced wear and tear on the train and roadway. There's some bits in that which any engineers um, amongst you may find surprising. I, I'm, I'm pausing. <clears throat> I'm pausing because I've just seen the next section of this 3,800-word essay. Australia, go vacuum maglev. 
Although it actually says Vac Maglev spelt V A C U V A C U M N Vac August thirtieth, twenty eleven. Australia has an opportunity to start a global transport revolution by adopting ultra-high-speed maglev evacuated tube transport, travelling at speeds, listen to this, exceeding 6,000 kilometres per hour and cutting the tyranny of distance is possible with current maglev technology, apparently so, with the absence of air resistance in a vacuum. Anyone doubting this will soon look as foolish as Lord Kelvin, president of the British Royal Society, who in 1895 said heavier-than-air flying machines are impossible. So fuck you. 6,000 kilometres per hour. Our vast distances between capital cities, the extensive flat terrain of the Nullarbor Plain providing distance to build up ultra-high speeds, and the prospect of an undersea route to Tasmania, Papua New Guinea and Indonesia makes Australia the ideal nation to show the rest of the world what is possible. I just imagine like a container full of iPhones being, well, not from Australia, but like a container full of copper ore hurtled at 6,000 kilometres an hour, which is what, Mac 10? I don't know, about, about Mac 7. In a vacuum tube under the sea, to Indonesia. Later, this is from an engineer, Professor Emeritus Ernst Frankel. From an engineering point, from an engineering point of view, there are no serious stumbling blocks. We lay pipes and cables across the ocean every day. Since most of the Timor Sea covers the continental shelf, this engineering task is not as complex as it might first seem. Yeah. Vacuum maglev transport has so many exciting possibilities, and it's not just limited to trains. Daryl Oster holds US patent number 59505543 for evacuated tube transport, or ETT, that specifies small pressurised car-sized capsules. These relatively small capsules would transport cargo or passengers travelling along evacuated tubes, quote, arranged along predetermined routes. Because <laughs> apparently you predetermined where these tubes are. That's probably good. Uh, and they would be uh, arranged via computer control. Physical operation of the system is automated and users would only need to choose and enter a destination. Airlocks at the station would allow transfer without admitting air, especially to your brains. Oh, yep, safety. Well, there's no guarantee of a 100% safe transport system. The automated nature of vacuum maglev takes driver human error out of the equation. And since trains and capsules speed through a tube, they are protected from weather and obstacles. 
such as accidents on slippery wet roads. They won't happen in vacuum tubes. Intersection and railway crossing accidents will be left in the history books. Road crashes in Australia still cause some 1,400 deaths and 32,500 serious injuries a year. The loss of life and social impacts are devastating. And the annual cost to the Australian economy is estimated to be $27 billion. Vacuum Maglev will change the slogan from speed kills to speed saves lives sadly i don't have any speed here so i think that's what you need um to read this shit but the citizens electoral council also has a defense policy Australia's alliance with the USA and UK has drawn us into a legal regime change wars that have accelerated the spread of terrorism and made us a staging ground for a US-led confrontation with China. The Citizens Electoral Council will shut down joint facilities, starting with Pine Gap, which target US nuclear missiles at China and Russia and make us a target in a nuclear exchange. Withdraw our soldiers from pointless wars abroad Ensure strategic independence by establishing a high-tech industrial base that can provide for our own defence and pursue international cooperation over conflict. There you go. I was going to read more of their policy on defence, but um, <laughs> the webpage just says our policy on defence, our policies on defence, and then uh, there isn't anything. Uh, have they got energy? I wanted to do energy. Uh, here we go. Uh, I need to just flip this into the other browser so I can play it to you. Uh, and uh, it needs to load. I'm not on the NBN here, so it's reasonably quick. Pause, pause. Here we go. Now, you won't be surprised to know that the Citizens Electoral Council is a big fan of nuclear energy. They like technology. In the future, they say, uh, nuclear fusion will be a giant technological leap forward in terms of energy density. What? This is fission. One cup of uranium is the equivalent of a mountain of coal. That's not nuclear fusion. Uh, they, they've then got a thing about energy flux densities in megawatts per square metre, uh, where fossil fuels are 10, megabot, 10 megawatts per square metre in something, and, and fusion is trillions. I don't know what the hell... Ah, here we go. This is the bit I wanted to find. <clears throat> Definitely need another drink before this little paragraph. Two paragraphs. I'll read two paragraphs. <coughs> oh, fuck. 
Joel Michael, you're going to pay. I mean, you did pay, but you're going to pay. Australia is excellently positioned to take advantage of the nuclear revolution. We have over one third of the world's identified uranium deposits. That's actually true. And more importantly, have the world's third largest deposits, after India and Brazil, of thorium, which has the benefit of not being suitable for nuclear weapons. Bet we can find a way. By combining Australia's uranium and thorium supply with the latest technology in meltdown-proof reactors, such as the Pebble Bed Modular High Temperature Gas Cooled Reactor, MHTGR, and the Liquid Fluoride Thorium Reactor, or LFTR, and taking advantage of our enormous coastline, Australia could develop a network of power plants that simultaneously produce electricity, industrial heat, fresh water through desalination and the beginnings of a hydrogen economy in which hydrogen takes over from oil as the primary resource. This will then set Australia up for the next step in energy technology, nuclear fusion, which would... I don't see how they connect anyway, which will generate much greater amounts of energy than even fission by replicating the same nuclear reaction which occurs in the sun. The advent of fusion energy opens up enormous technological opportunities, including the production of man-made resources as mined resources run short. Are we synthesizing steel here? One brilliant invention that has already been patented. (laughs) Patents, good. Waiting for the development of nuclear fusion is called the fusion torch. A superheated plasma furnace attached to a fusion reactor into which all the daily garbage of a city can be dumped, where the material at the atomic level will become disassociated into its component atoms and spat out as the pure elements of the component atoms, silicon, iron, etc. Oh, my God. They actually, yes. This is an optimistic vision of the future of mankind. No fucking kidding. For which our children can be excited. This will recapture the dream of reconquering space while simultaneously solving solving the economic problems on Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Citizens' Electoral Council. Vote one. Now, we're, we're coming, good heavens, we, we are rapidly approaching the end of our four hours together. If you have not already done so, do, go to stillgerian.com slash tip and uh, throw some money into the tip jar. I haven't checked the total for a while. Uh, that's at $1,631.93, so deducting the initial 400 bucks, 50% of that is one uh, six hundred and fifteen dollars and ninety seven cents to the Black Dog Institute, helping them help you cope with the mental health problems resulting from listening to this podcast. Please give more. Stillgarian.com slash tip. But to finish, 
to finish. I've only got time for the tiniest bit of the Catter's Australian Party. Here is the audio of the featured video on Bob Catter's uh, official Facebook page at the moment. It's shot in a pub, and the voice you'll hear in this video is Bob Catter. You get this one, Tony. To a station out in Queensland, I won't mention names or brands. Came the gunner muller fella to break in the string of yangs. That squatter had a daughter, and to the breaker said, Keep your evil eyes off her, some squatter she must wed. But the Cumnam Muller fella, he was smart and he was sly. And it wasn't very soon before he caught the daughter's eye. And then one day it happened and the old man near dropped dead. When he caught the pair of loving up down in the saddle shed. <laughs> so the villain rolled his blanket and he caught the Brisbane mate. And the daughter said she loved him. So she followed on his trail. She caught him up in Roma and they set the wedding day. And my lord, the old man, when he heard the news, his hair turned silver grey. That wasn't me for a job. wasn't me for a job. Now, now the moral of this story is, you squatter blokes, beware. For love is where you find it in that lonely land out there and the same to you could happen it happened once before now the cunnamulla fuller is a squatter's son-in-law hey! 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 Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the edict for now. Please go to stilgarian.com slash tip. Chuck it all in. You know what to do. Support Black Dog Institute. They're good people. The next episode will be one with me and Nicholas Fryer appearing this Friday, the 10th of May. Until then, I'm Stilgarian. See you then. The 9pm edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.